Should I tell Alex to keep it down? We might. We probably will have to at some point ask Alex to, to keep it down. He, he won't. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've just had to ask uh, our sales head of sales, Alex, to keep it down. He's extremely loud and uh, thought we said shut always up. wants to be the center of attention. Other than that, um, hey, so here we are. We're on episode two of the official Madrid broadcast, which tells you we made it through episode one. We've survived. And they said it wouldn't make it. And they said we might not. I don't know who said that. Someone said it. But uh, here we are, episode two. Uh, hopefully, you know, it can only go up from here and it'll only get easier. Uh, once again, I'm Eagle, art director here at Madrid Skateboards. I've got Bo Brown to my right, and Hello. we've got an extra special guest for episode two in the form of Roger Hickey today. Today's podcast is bound to amaze, amuse, and quite possibly give you nightmares. Roger Hickey and I have been racing together and traveled the world together since probably before many of you were born. Roger started racing downhill skateboards in 1974 but that was by no means the first time or the only way he's ever gone fast. Racing motorcycles since he was a kid, off-road, boats, jet-powered cars, electric cars are just some of the ways he's found to keep pushing speed limits. Roger wasn't just fast. He was multi-time world champion in both stand-up and luge. He's been on the cover of Thrasher three times, the last issue of the original Skateboarder magazine, and in numerous commercials. He was also the oldest person to ever break 100 miles an hour on a skateboard. Nowadays, Roger spends most of his time running three successful businesses, Fresh Park Ramps and two businesses in the biotech world. Let's get into this. Don't say I didn't warn you. All right, listeners, Roger Hickey is joining us today. I'm glad you left out the arrests. <laughs> well, no, we didn't no, leave no, them out. Oh, just, uh, oh, haven't gotten there yeah. yet. We'll get there. That was racing cops. Where are you from? Why did you start racing skateboards? So I started, uh, my dad raced dragsters, and um, my dad was crazy. Uh, luckily, there was no internet until we were well on our way to not getting arrested for the <laughs> stuff we were doing. Uh, but my dad raced dragsters, so... My stroller, when I was a baby, was built by my grandfather that built race car chassis, and he built me a go-kart. And uh, what they would do is, as they were pushing me so that I wouldn't steer the... It had steering, but so I wouldn't steer it. They had a handle like a lawnmower, and they just lift the front wheels, and I'd just keep steering. So then eventually after, I don't know, whenever you get out of a stroller, they cut the handle off, and my dad let me start driving it down the hills. We lived on a really steep hill in Highland Park, uh, on Tim That's where you're from. No, I was born in Glen. I was born born in Glendale, and then we lived in uh, Highland Park, and it was Tipton Way, which is probably the first gravity car at one and a half years old. Um, the brakes were just pitched in sideways into somebody's grass yard. Uh, anyway, so we did that a lot, and then when I was three, a little bit before I was three, my dad put a motor on it, put some brakes on it, signed some kind of release for me to race the five year old class in go karts. And, uh, and that was it. I started racing everything you can think of. I think when I was four, I won the little five-year-old championship or whatever that means. Um, I won a lot, a lot of go-kart races. And then I started in BMX, um, loved BMX. I had my own club called the rim benders. We made our own films with super eight. Uh, I was smart enough to, uh, lay under a sheet of glass cause I thought it'd be cool to 
film people jumping over me until they landed on it. And luckily, I didn't get cut to smithereens when it broke around me. Real glass? Real glass. Not plexiglass. They didn't have plexiglass. They didn't have plexiglass. Back back then. Then. Yeah, 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 was, yeah. Everything was dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. They, whether they put they put that mercurochrome on you, they didn't. What? Yeah, whatever that stuff is, acetone. I don't know what it was. <laughs> anyway, um, but this is, I got to tell this story because it's really cool. So that we went. We I'm fast forwarding through the elementary school. And uh, but it was all racing BMX. And um, my dad had some. uh, They're called wire cars and they were they had gas motors. They were like an RC car, but it ran on a wire and you ran in a circle and it had a little bearing in the middle and they would go like two to three hundred miles an hour. But they just go around in a circle. And so we'd race those. And that's when I started getting into the aerodynamic thing when I was a kid. So when we moved to Baldwin Park at the end of our street, because it was a new street, uh, there was a giant field. And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I went out there. Um, they had an old tractor. We drove that. We dug holes. We, did, we built an entire BMX motocross track out there. And next to the motocross track, there was a, an, a convalescent home or an old folks home. I don't know what you call those things where the old people live and their families. Sure. The family yeah, gave up on them. And, uh, whatever you want. Yeah. So there was this guy, this old dude named Walter, and he used to come out every day. And, and I just... I just dug him. I just, he was just such a cool guy, you know, and, um, I grew up in a very, uh, well, we'll just say child abuse was not a public service announcement back then. <laughs> and so, uh, so Walter was super cool to me. And so he kind of became my fill in, uh, third grandparent, you know what I mean? Yep. And my grandparents were awesome, but he, I just loved him so much anyway. So he used to sneak the hose under the fence so he could water our track and he'd get in all kinds of trouble. So then we dug a hole and yeah. we, we put a hose in. Anyway, long story short, Christmas came. We raised some money. We did a bunch of stuff for him. And he ended up dying like two days later. Oh, and so wow. I think that's where I actually got the, my favorite thing in the world is giving. And I think that's right where I got it because it was so impactful that when I went back, um, the nurses said, uh, it's hard to even talk about the story without crying, but the nurses said that uh, it was the happiest he's been there for three years and mm-hmm. it's the happiest they've ever seen him yeah. was that day. You know what I mean? Anyway, so we'll keep going along to get to skateboarding. So I go in high school and I start when I was probably, I'm going to say 12 years old, maybe younger. I started racing water skis. My dad had mm-hmm. drag boats and I like to ski. So somehow when you start skiing behind a drag boat and you have a dad like mine, they only know the vertical pedal. And so, uh, <laughs> You know, going 90 miles an hour on a water ski in a real 90, not the jet boat version of 90, uh, is uh, my dad didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And then that, my dad also couldn't swim. So when I would knock myself out, he'd have to like position the boat to grab me and pull me over. <laughs> we used to go race jet boats. My dad would go to the bar and I'd be hanging out and he'd go up to guys with big jet boats with the big motors and he'd go, Hey, is this thing pretty fast? And I'd go, Yeah. He goes, I bet you a hundred bucks I can beat you towing my kid. And they're like, this is going. Yeah, what do you mean towing your kid? And they'd point at me and I'm I'm this tiny kid, right? And he goes, A hundred bucks and you're gonna tow that kid. And I'm like, and I knew, you know, we I, I knew the whole shtick. And so, oh my God, it was just it was so badass to take yeah. off. We had to get me up on top of the water and then we'd go. And my dad always let people go first because he didn't want people to tell me, you know, you you cheated. And I just remember at like 11 years old going past these race boats yeah. on a water ski and just thinking, this is just, I think that's probably where I learned the beat the person and humiliate him lesson. <laughs> uh, and it's for some reason that uh, it was fun. So I was racing water skis. Uh, my dad's best friends were the Youngers. Uh, Steve Younger and Sally Younger were the two world 
world record holders for women and, and men skiers. And Gil Younger uh, would be down there with Dave Zalibra. My, they had a house at the river, and they used to practice there all the time, and they were just unbeatable. So me growing up around those guys, you know, I had to go fast. I mean, they're just not going to let me not go fast. And they gave me a ski and all that stuff. But then in high school, there was a, a kid in high school that goes, he's riding a skateboard. And I started riding skateboards at uh, seven okay. when um, this family that's friend of mine, also in the river house, the daughter got a Black Knight oak board. And she goes, I'm never going to ride this. Do you want this? And I go, okay. And so I remember sitting down on it on their little sure. hill because I didn't know what to do. And so I wrote, I learned on that. And uh, so I could ride a skateboard, but then this kid started telling me, uh, oh yeah, we're going to start racing skateboards. They did this thing and down in, by the beach. And I think 74 was the first year, right? Of Signal Hill? Signal Hill. Um, probably was When it was just Guy Grundy Guy and, Grundy. Uh, and Gary Hitchcock. Garrison Hitchcock on his knees, right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I said, well, that's pretty cool. I could probably do it because uh, I skateboard and I race water skis. So I'm the perfect candidate. So we went up to Kellogg Hill. I think it's West Covina or wherever it is out there by Cal Poly Pomona. And there's a hill right off to the side of it. It's still there. And he goes, this is the hill I practice on. Oh, okay, let me try it. Nothing, man. No gloves, no helmet, no nothing, right? I got. I probably had shorts on. I don't know. So I take off on this hill, get this crazy death wobble at, I don't know, was I going 12? I don't know what I was going. <laughs> I try to run it out. It's Did impossible. Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and broke my arm. And so, uh, so I was thoroughly convinced 100% that, it, that I crashed because that board was a piece of shit, not because I couldn't ride. Sure. It's always yeah. the equipment. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Never me. Of course. Never. So there was another challenge. Now I'm going to, now I'm going to prove that I can be the best at whatever this is. And that's when it started. So know? downhill number one, broken arm. Broken arm. First time on a hill. Yep. If you go from there till now, I broke 61 bones. That's so either motivation or uh, enough to keep you off that hill. So it looks like you leaned into being motivated to conquer it. Yeah, pain was yeah. never a motiva- a motivator. Mo- is that a word? Motivator? Anti-motivator? Yes, Detractor? Uh, it was never a, um, a motivational reason to quit. Yeah. Pain was never that. Sure. All my injuries were just annoying because I, <clears throat> I was missing. Kept you off the board. That's all. That's what it does. Yeah, yeah that's all. I don't know how many broken ankles and... Oh my God. As we all do have injuries. And, you know, I was talking to someone not too long ago about, oh, well, you know, you, you hurt yourself pretty bad. Are you just going to quit skateboarding or whatever? And I'm like, you don't understand. Skateboarders don't do that. We get up and we keep doing it until we either finish the run or finish, make the trick or whatever. And we're just used to different levels of pain. You also don't really quit. I mean, skateboarders don't ever really quit. You know, yeah. you may stop, you may slow down a little bit, you may skate a little less than you used to, but, uh, you know, unless you're the kid that was just into the fad, you don't ever really stop, you know, to, to at least right. some sort of capacity. So, you know. I think if it's in your nature, you don't quit. If yeah. it's your costume, you'll quit. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good way of putting it. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all the way across the board. Yeah. Um, nobody won a championship quitting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, what I used to do... Uh, my strategies were going forward and back and forward and back. But my strategy was always like, if they met Hickey, then they met the the narcissistic alter ego that wants to just absolutely mess with their mind. So they quit. Yeah. You know what I mean? DeBo knows one of my tricks was uh, only win by just enough. Yeah. Because they're not going to go change anything. They're going to think, I'm, I'm almost beating him. <laughs> so I would only win by just enough because I didn't want them to change. That was That's how I would control them. 
So this pissing off your opponents, that leads into your original nickname. Yep. Which was? The kid with no respect. But what's funny is when. No, 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 no. Pause. The kid with no respect. When Dave came up with that. Dave. Uh, Morin. Okay. Yeah. D. David D. Morin. D. David Morin. When he came up with that, it, we were sitting in there doing an interview. This, this is a good segue. So we all raced. Uh, we kind of Signal Hill. I didn't race stand up. I w- I didn't feel like I was good enough, and I didn't want to die on that hill. Sure. <laughs> so, and I was only eighteen. Yeah. So I I saw Sam Puggio lay down on some two by fours, and I'm like, well, I could do that. And um, I wasn't afraid of speed, so I just I made up my own luge board. Um, it was awesome. Um, I was the youngest one, and uh, and then I came back with a skate car. But so when we we started riding Glendora Mountain Road, um, I kind of discovered the hill and uh, made a bunch. I mean, we made so much technology that came from Glendora Mountain Road. And then when we had the Fogtown South, which Bo came up with, it was uh, Bo and Rick and me and Perry and Don Bomay and there was a few people I can't remember. And so we just. We just won star racing races. So we raced Capitola. We did okay. Um, I think I got fifth my first time at Capitola. And these were the pros, you know, that you saw. What are you there. riding at this at this point? <clears throat> I'm riding a Madrid board. Are, so okay. you're already on. Yeah, that, that's a good, yeah, good that's, interesting segue. We kind of, when did, yeah, when did that start? Because you're already on a Madrid board at this point, right? Now this, right. I'm trying this to figure out how I got Dickey. on Madrid. Yeah. Well, that was a question. Yeah. Is where did you first meet Jerry? Was it? Um, well, they didn't have 23 and me, so I knew he wasn't my dad. <laughs> Even though for my whole life, I called, I told everybody, Jerry's like my dad until about two years ago. He goes, you know, I'm only six years older than you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that probably is a good point. Yeah. So really pre yeah. pre pro model. I mean, when you're starting out, what are you riding pre Madrid? What are you, what are you on on these Hills? Oh, okay. So pre Madrid. So they had GT was a plastic board. And I learned that if I put this board in the oven, I could shape it however I want, cool it down. Is that right? So I literally made a center <clears throat> hump in it because it made me more comfortable and I made the concave nose just a little like I used to bend the shit out of those things and I'd get cases of them. So I rode up with Bennett's, um, which couldn't have a more wobbly truck on the planet. And, and it was, uh, bones. Yep. Yep. And sure. bones wheels. Stacy said, whatever you want. Nice. My first real sponsor was Tom Sims. Okay. Gave me a Sims Jersey and a hundred bucks. And, uh, I'm like, oh my God, I haven't yeah, erased it. You've made it. it. You've made I haven't it. erased it. Yeah. I didn't make it in any of the posters, you know, with all the Sims people. But uh, that's all right. But you got the jersey. I, I still got the jersey. I still have the original jersey. And um, and now I can actually still fit in it. Uh, but um, how? I, I don't know how I got to Madrid. I, that's I crazy. No We're going to have to get Jerry in here. And yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a <coughs> we'll, we'll cut an interlude. You we'll, knew we'll him before me, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a question, yeah. Bo. So uh, there, there comes a time, right, when you're a team manager for Madrid. Yeah. Now, where does that fall with Roger? Well, from a timeline perspective, is he already involved when you're oh kind my of God, team manager? Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, so. Roger and I first met, I think it was at Black Hill, La Costa. It was. Um, which was this. And I was riding that fiberglass board that Don made me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Huh. The blue and yellow one. Oh, okay. That was before a Madrid board. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All handmade boards handmade. by Don Beaumet. With a big rocker in it, um, but uh, yeah, we met at Signal Hill or at uh, La Black Costa. Yeah, a box actually. And then I think we just bonded 
Yeah. Um, I may have introduced you to Jerry, but I really don't. I don't. I, I would say if there was, if it was anybody, it would have been Bo that introduced me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you know, I look back now and I laugh because my analogy would be this: it would be like telling everybody our whole life. Jerry gave us free food. Yeah. All the time. He mm-hmm. just fed us all the time. Mm-hmm. What they didn't know is we were working the catering trucks yeah. that yeah. Jerry owned. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's how we had free food. We're, yeah. I did all the artwork. I made all the silk screens. Perry was out there sanding. Bo's routing. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, yep. we're all working for Jerry. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't until recently that I was talking to Perry that we even remember all that. Because yeah. we just wanted to be with Jerry. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he was... Yeah, I think we won't even get into the skateboarding hall of fame thing and how he didn't go in the first day, but yeah, that's just a he'll pet get peeve there. of mine. So, do you he recall when you know when the the you were the first pro model on Madrid? Is that correct? Yeah, the Rodriguez was the yeah, first. Yeah. So, so when and how did that come about? You I think it came about because of Capitola. Okay, because we went to Capitola with flatboards, remember? And they were mm-hmm. they were like really flexing in the middle of turns. Oh, sure. God, yeah, and they would change the geometry of the truck. Yeah, so in the turn. In our brain, we thought, oh, it adds steering in the turn, yeah. and it takes steering at down the straightaway, which I guess is okay until you hit a bump. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and so I think we all – I think what'd you get? You got like eighth, right? I mean, we all did good. Seventh or yeah. eighth. Seventh yeah. or eighth, yeah. I mean, we qualified good. We did good. Um, it also was uh, – I'm goofy foot, and it was a left-hand turn, mm-hmm. so it was really good for me. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's where I met Kurt Kimball, which uh, – that's a legendary boxing match. Every time we raced each other, we were f- literally there's pictures in one of the magazines of us punching each other in the middle of the turn. <laughs> I mean, it was, I don't even know why we hated each other, but it just was what it was. And, um, so then we had, it came out with the pro model. And so we figured out, well, what's a pro model going to be. And so Jerry had a bunch of boards, long boards, and yeah. he was starting to dabble with long boards being like 36 inch, uh, concave boards. And, uh, so he would just give us a blank and we could just cut out whatever we want. I kind of right. just drew something out and cut it out and I liked it, but then I, I wanted more concave. And uh, so Jerry just made it and we called it the taco shell. It was like wow. seven degrees or yeah. something crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you were one of the few people that could ride it yeah. because the concave <laughs> was so deep that it hurt your arches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it worked it was, for you. It was why did that work for you? What, what about that shape? So because I rode Glendora Mountain Road all the time, the biggest problem we had, you got to remember the rules back then said nothing could touch the board or the ground, but your feet. Yeah. So you couldn't grab your board like they do now. Yeah. You know, we were formula one and now they're drifting. Yeah. They're both forms of inter- racing and probably sure. drifting is a lot more entertaining. Yeah. Um, when drifters crash, I don't know if there's as much carnage as a formula one car at 185 miles an hour. Don't yeah. wall, you know, right. and that's how we were like when we crashed, it was a yard sale. Sure. But I think because it's going to mountain road, I could literally feel my heel and my toe to get through a corner without leaning so hard that it unweighted the outside wheel and you spun out or crashed. So it was it more just, of a board feel issue at that, <coughs> that extreme. And concave. keeping the weight yeah. on the outside rear wheel. Yeah. So it was more of a leverage over the truck deal. So you could still have them tight, but that concave would handle it. But we sold a lot of boards, but I don't know how many people rode them because they couldn't. I feel like the term taco shell too is a really missed opportunity for a board graphic to oh, work, yeah. to work oh, a cool yeah, taco yeah, yeah. into That's that thing. True. Yeah. Just bring that back. So those were cut out of the the thirty six inch yep. longboard, which you guys still have. That board, yeah, we do. Right? Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. there's there's a, an original hanging in Craig's office, and I, I think we actually even still offer it. We're, we still make that board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So listeners, you can buy one of those boards and cut out your Roger Hickey shape from it. So yeah. I only had two boards. Um, we named the. So then I start winning. Uh, I went back with the taco shell, back to Capitola. 
<coughs> excuse me, we raced uh, Capitola, then Laguna Seca. So that year, Capitola, I got fifth. Laguna Seca, I got third. And this is where I discovered, you know, uh, the King John Hudson. Um, Cause he just waxes everybody. And every time he walks by people are like, Oh my God, there's John Hudson. John Hudson. So we're realizing now, well, if John Hudson's not there, then it's not a race. Right now we're coming back to the kid with no respect. So action now just started uh, magazine mm-hmm. just started. And so I think because I would do, we would go down to box and Canyon and with Casmus and we'd shoot all kinds of stuff, content for him. And um, I came up with the speed suit at Capitola and then Laguna right. Seca and I laugh when you watch people today, like you'll see a guy going to, I just saw a guy, a video of a guy going down a hill in a, in a flannel, long sleeve flannel, flapping behind him. You know, everybody forgets now with the 180 degree uh, GoPro, you know, an ant looks like he's running. Yeah. And so he's hauling ass, I guess. And he crashes and goes through the guardrail and catches it with his leg. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> but our speed suits were literally just spandex sure. unlined bikinis naked yeah. Yeah. with a, a bucket on my head you know the flyaway helmets yeah and i used golf gloves uh or batting cut gloves yeah and then i would duct tape my shoelaces so people go what's it like to crash in that thing and i go well i go just wear pantyhose and jump out of your car on the freeway that's yeah. not what it feels yeah. like <laughs> and it. it just burns to you yeah. you know yeah so anyway taco shell practice our asses off we started having we had a the underground uh, URA. URA. We started URA. Because underground after, Racers Underground Race Association. Because after 78, except for up north, escape downhill kind of started to die. And well, I so that was, yeah, so yeah, to interject there, you're talking so mid into late 70s, right? What, what's, yep. the, what's the fanfare of a, of a typical race at what you would call the height of downhill racing at that time? I mean, how, how underground Ooh. did this still feel? Or how mainstream was, like, you guys getting a lot of coverage and – you know, people coming to these events. I mean, you know, what what was that like compared to you know as things started to kind of dip as everything in the industry does? I mean, you know, what are we what are we looking at at the height of these downhill races from a Signal like a power. outsider perspective, from a, a spectator, you know, as a spectator kind of event? What's so seventy seven uh, was insane at Signal yeah. Hill. We showed up and we're like, "Are you kidding me? How many people are you thousands, looking at? There? Thousands, thousands. thousands. Yeah. and then seventy eight. Wow. I'm not good, but in my mind, I remember 20,000 people yeah. all over that. Probably hill. about 20,000. Yeah. And I remember it's crazy to picture. I, I remember picture. CBS Sports Spectacular. Uh, they were there and at Akron, Ohio. We went to Derby Downs. And uh, and then Signal Hill just became a blood fest. I mean, it was yeah. just, it was gnarly. Yeah. That was a funny story. That was the first time I ever cussed in front of my dad. And uh, <laughs> and I was out on my own, like yeah. right before my 15th birthday. Yeah. The whole family dynamic kind of changed. And, uh, but I remember I built a skate car and it was so tight. You had to wear shoes. That was one of the rules. And yeah. I couldn't fit with my shoes because I got enormous feet. And so we took my shoes off and they would sit on the front and put the zip, lock me in, bolt me in. And then uh, the roll cage made it so I couldn't really lean steer. So I was just duct taped to this thing that they sent <laughs> off a cliff. Uh, it was Niagara Falls in the barrel without the water. Yeah. And so I went down, I hit, bounced off a couple curbs and, um, full mario kart and then the thing flipped upside down i'm sliding down and i remember laying in there just making up my own cuss words because i ran out and (laughs) my dad undoes it flips me over and i'm like that son of a god you know what i mean yeah and and he just looks at me and laughs and all of a sudden i looked at him like oh shit 
I actually never cussed in front of my dad yeah. before. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then I was free to cuss from then on. And so uh, we, cut the the, yeah. we cut the roll cage off. Da, 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 da. But 78 was insane as far as the coverage. It was in every magazine. It was, I mean, quite frankly, I would put it all not on John Hudson. John Hudson, I would, he had a huge part, but I would put it all on Guy Grundy. I mean, yeah. without yeah, that yeah. iconic Guy Grundy parallel, yeah, hands forward, it, literally the icon of where Di Downhill started, no matter what they did in Catalina or anything else. Yeah. It was just agreed, badass. And um, so then after 78's bloodbath, nobody nobody wanted to do it. You know what I mean? And so they had uh, they did get still have Capitola and they still had um, Laguna Seca. Laguna Seca, yeah. But that was up north, and those were heavily covered. I mean, obviously, I, how the hell did I get on the cover of Thrasher? You know what I mean? And right. According according to skateboarders, we're in the we're just people in the band. We're not skateboarders, and um. Because I can't kick flip at 65 miles an hour. And so... Um, Have you tried? I, it looked like I tried, but it was actually me falling. I've seen, yeah. Yeah, I've seen yeah. them crash and it looked like... I've done flip. a triple kick flip at yeah. like 60. Yeah. And a, a triple kick flip, flip nollie something grab. Yeah. Uh, Big spin. Ball grab. And so uh, so I just decided, let's start it down here at Glendora. So our gang, uh, we started the Underground Race Association. And basically what we did is... And the cops didn't care. Like no, at that point it was awesome. Care. We we yeah. would literally get twenty to forty people. I, we would silk screen our own trophies. Um, I, I designed trade show exhibits, you know, so I knew how to do all this crazy stuff. And um, we'd hitchhike up the road, or we'd have a bunch of people with trucks show up. But it was crazy because that hill is almost ten miles long, and we would do five runs in stand up and ten runs in luge. And you would add your points together. So first place, like motocross, like motocross, first place is a one point. You know, tenth place is ten points, and the lowest number of points. But stand up was not, it was always down to Bo and I. And uh, literally, if Bo beat me, it's because he crashed six times and I crashed seven. Because <laughs> yeah, Glendor only happened once. Glendora Mountain Road without touching the ground or the board with anything but your feet is very difficult. And we're on gyros. Which are basically Old. cement with an aluminum hub. Yeah, you know, what like I mean, ninety-eight with an aluminum hub. Yeah, yeah, we're on minus technology. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Flintstones were not far behind <laughs> us, and so. But so, only, okay, so yeah. you're this. You're all racing, pre, you know, pre-urethane wheels. No, 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 yeah. no. So no. this is, was urethane. Yeah, it was just very hard urethane, yeah. and then you add an aluminum core yeah. to it. Yeah, it was yeah, probably yeah. like ninety-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then aluminum core made it so that the resonant frequency from the ground would come through into the bearing and just, you could not have loose teeth. Yeah. I could tell you that. Yeah. Cause, and it was very good at sliding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the slider wheels now, sure. but yeah. not on purpose. Yeah. Not an intentional slider. And we weren't on yeah. the Kryptonics program yet because we were South guys. Yeah. And they, you know, they don't want to help us. Sure. Because all of a yeah. sudden, you know, our gang showed up and we started getting in the top five. Yeah. So then we go back to uh i had a fifth at capitola and i had a third at laguna seca so we go back in 1980 to capitola and laguna seca i get a third and i win uh laguna seca and i beat john hudson so i'm the first guy to beat him well before that for that whole year uh d david Warren is building me up in this action now magazine i think i was literally in every issue and i was probably on maybe three covers and i don't know how many centerfolds and stuff 
And I just all of a sudden about when the ego realized what was going on and calmed down and started thinking of the logistics of it about eight months in, I thought, shit, man, if I don't win this thing, I'm going to look like the biggest idiot on the planet. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, Perry Fisser and I went up. This is such a funny story. We went up two or three days early from Laguna, from the Laguna Seca happening. We camped out on the hill and we rode the hill every day, all day. Accidentally lit some park benches on fire because we had no firewood accidentally. And, uh, but I discovered a trick where the wind always came from the right to the left. And that hill, it's, it's no slouch. I mean, no. Yeah, that and corner comes up quick. We were running turn nine backwards. Right. Yeah. From all the way from the corkscrew backwards. And so, and then as you turn it, you go down and where the bridge thing is, that's where the finish is. Right. So, um, so we're, I found a trick where there's a window, the wind every single day came from the right to the left, even though it was dirty, really dirty. I could get over next to the grind rail, grind rail, guardrail, guardrail. And, uh, I would just blow past Perry and I'm like, what the hell? I'm like hiding from the wind over here. Mm -hmm. And so I just saved it. I thought I ain't telling this trick. Nobody. Yeah. So anyway. The race is going to start on Saturday, practice and qualifying on Saturday. I think that's how it worked, right? Yeah. And then yep. the race was on Sunday. Race was yeah. on Sunday. So uh, so everybody shows up on Saturday. Well, we show up late on purpose because we knew that practice was like this many runs. So we show up. I come running in, and everybody thought I was a squirrel anyway. Long hair, is crazy, skinny guy. Oh, my God, our, our car broke down. We're late, you know. And, of course, the guys from up north are like, fuck. You know, what I mean? they, they hated it. And so they're like, well, you know, there's no more time for practice. Yeah. I'm like, what? And he goes, oh, we're already into the first run of qualifying. If you hurry, you can get one in. I'm like, oh, this sucks. So I go up. <laughs> I qualify first. And so now they're going, oh, shit. What the hell just happened? And and then so Hudson kind of scrambled for a speed suit. The only thing he could find was a wetsuit. So he put a wetsuit on. Mm -hmm. Might be a little better than just a spandex suit, right? A little, oh, little my extra, well, you'll extra padding. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So uh, Stick. the grip might rip the bones apart. Yeah. So then they made up this rule. You got to have knee pads. So I just took a tube sock, cut it, <clears throat> cut the toe out, and I put it on my knee. And I said, there's my knee pad. It's made it look like a knee pad. That's yeah. it. I had a knee pad. They Good didn't enough. have a specification of a knee pad. So anyway, long story short, I get all the way through all the rounds. Um, and you could tell that Hudson was starting to, well, you can see in the picture where he's starting to, to lose the Hudson cool. And, uh, so we get to the final, it's just Hudson and I, and I get lane choice cause I'm first qualifier. You have to race twice back then. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the right lane, in the left lane, I go all the way over to the right. And he's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? And so <laughs> they're, and they had a little push box. What was it? 25 feet? Probably. Yeah. The, yeah and you couldn't 20, push beyond feet. the push box. You couldn't crow hop it. You couldn't yeah. hit that one last line. So as long as you're not touching that last line, you're good. Yeah. And we all, we we just pushed. We didn't ever test that because this much more of a yeah. push didn't do anything. So we push. I'm so far right, I can't even see the push box. So we push, we take off. And I'm just hanging over there. And I remember there were so many rocks and gravel mm -hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, man, I hope this works. And I look over and I see John over there. And I'm just, I'm inching ahead, inching ahead, inching ahead. You're not breathing because you're trying to hold this tug. And so I had to swing from the right to the left and then turn hard right. So I made that turn a 180 instead of only a 90, but I beat him. And I got to the finish line. I was like, holy crap, I just beat him. You know what I mean? And it was crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I thought people were going to break my nose. They ran down and like <laughs> tackling me and like, holy shit. And I honestly instantly felt bad for John Hudson. Yeah. Because literally this guy was like everything. And yeah, I remember looking at him yeah. and he just 
it just caught him by surprise. Yeah. He just thought, no way in hell this this knucklehead kid yeah. is going to beat me. Was he a good sport? Was he uh, no? Not so at then, all. Uh, so then we uh, went back to the top because yeah. we have to race again, right? So in my mind, I knew all I got to do is get in front of him, stand up and air brake and make him go around me because I just set the fastest run of the entire day over qualifying and everything. All I got to do is air brake in front of him, slow him down enough and let him go. Just let him win it because it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know the fastest of the two runs wins. So it's exactly what I did. Now he had the right lane. He was scared to go over there by the guardrail or something because he'd never yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah. So he started normal. I outpushed him. I had a really, really fast push, probably because I'm 6'4". Mm-hmm. And uh, I outpush him. I get in front of him. I kind of open up a little and suck him in tight. And then right before the corner, I just stood up and air brake. Then he's like, hey! and he goes around me. And then I don't know what happened. He kind of broke out of his tuck. And now I'm catching him again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what do I do? Do I just now do I beat him again? Like, or <laughs> yeah. do I just go to the finish? <laughs> Screw it, beat him again. Yeah. So I went around the outside and I beat him again. But that wasn't my plan. You right. know, to beat him again. I just yeah. beat him again. And then that was it. Uh, that that literally pretty much defined uh, how serious I was going to be about downhill from then on. Um, our next encounter, they labeled Rocky Two Hudson versus Hickey. Um, I was screwing around and broke my ankle, and John ended up. I, we taped it up, and he ended up beating me. But that was it. Uh, Laguna Seca again. No. Where was that? Uh, at Capitola. Capitola. Yep. Okay. The next year. And then it just died. And then, and, yep. and then it was all up to us. Mm-hmm. So that's when we, we started Agro, American mm-hmm. Gravity Racing Organization. And we turned URA into that. And we started having like somewhat legal races where we could get a permit mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then we had a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it was 40 to 80 people racing all at the same time it was crazy because we just line up and we'd hold wrists yeah like a pace start yeah and we go to a line and then that was it that's it oh yeah they were they were uh in desert racing they call them bomb starts but they're they're called uh what are they called oh, i can't remember it's like the calvary when they go across the yeah. desert yeah yeah land start you right. know land yeah, yeah. yeah yeah land rush that's what it was like so anyway uh <clears throat> we start picking it up there then we start picking up other places um and do you, have, do you have sponsors at this point or anybody I did. kicking in to kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. sponsor these events? Definitely Madrid. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Madrid, yeah, uh, Madrid. Uh, uh, Hyper. Hyper. Hyper Wheels came out of Kryptonics, so they, they would back us. Tom Peterson helped us so much. And uh, uh, Neil Piper, which is nobody knows urethane like him. So when things kind of go to this underground point, I mean, is is the the motivation for for everyone involved just to race? Yeah, it's just they just want to keep riding, right? Yeah, right. So it's yeah, not right. as though oh, I'm going to win and I'm going to take this big cash prize and a trophy. They just want to race, prize. right? They just want to <laughs> they just want to keep it alive. That's it. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and we got people from everywhere. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. literally all over the world. Yeah, we'd get guys. They would from stay at our house, or, mm-hmm. you know, or England. Simon, so it's yeah. not it's yeah. not uh, terribly different from. You know, in the '80s, when he everything went underground again, he had all these backyard contests, and right, people just right, keep exactly. it alive. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah just for the love. And of we did have points game. championships, so we did keep track. Mm-hmm. That's why I was able to find out how many races I've raced, kinda mm-hmm. with plus or minus five, maybe. Yeah, and um, because literally we would race Glendora Mountain Road what twice a month. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we practiced in between, so we would have championships, and then evolved into figure which is federation of international gravity racing because i saw that everything that was legit was federation of you know what i mean so we started you know like the fia the fim <clears throat> so we started figure and now we introduced uh downhill bicycles gravity cars street luge it, 
we had live bands. We had yeah, how many tracks were, did we have? Like six or seven? Yeah, yeah. So at this time, you've got Madrid as a sponsor. Right. You've got a Madrid board. Oh, the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, so, so I named that board Lucille. Okay. Uh, when I won Laguna Seca, like BB King's guitar. Sure. And I never wrote another board since. Yeah. So there was never a final round. Stand up board. My stand up board. Yeah. yeah. I love stand up way more than Street Luge. Street Luge was just easier for me. Um, so is there a developing Madrid team at this point? We kind of were the Madrid team the whole time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was uh, the downhill team was Roger, Rick Denton, uh, Perry Fisher, Dave Perry, me. Was Don on the yep. team at that point? Yep. And yep. Kevin Carnes. Yep. So pretty big, pretty decent little team. I mean, Eno- enough to handful. fit us and Jerry in his van. Yeah. 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 And any of these guys have a pro model at that time? or, or, uh, nope. or just me. Just you. I think yeah. the next pro model downhill was Hudson. I think Santa Cruz put out one for him. I don't remember if they did a downhill. I had the only he signature downhill board only for signature a long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. They had slalom boards. A lot mm-hmm. of people had slalom boards. Yeah, Hut had a slalom board. Turner. Oh no, he had the Santa Cruz. Santa and what, Cruz. what signified the difference in a slalom board and a, and a downhill board from a from a technical standpoint? Back super then? short, mm-hmm. um, high degree trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Turner boards were crazy flex and fiberglass and foam. If, mm-hmm. if you didn't ride it, it would throw you. Yeah, you know it, it was right. a it was a racehorse. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. you you had to be committed to that. Um, the slalom boards are pretty badass, but they're only for slalom. Right. Yeah. yeah you can't, you can't do crap on them. What, Nothing. what yeah. was the point or where was the point or was there a point when you, you all started keeping track of the speeds you were hitting? Well, we had radar guns mm-hmm. from when radar guns from were from invented. The get-go? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then Don would make timers. Don's like Don this uh, electronic uh-huh. genius guy. He'd make us timers and it, they had a strip switch, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you're riding like gyros on, you know, trackers that aren't big uh, on these little boards and you hit these strip switches, yeah. it's like hitting a crack in the asphalt yeah. where all of a sudden the back wheel says, the front wheel says, I'll go straight. The back yeah. wheel says, I'm going to kick out about a foot if you're okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was tracking your speed. To, the, down to the thousand. Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah no, so, we were tracking speed all the way back in what? 70. Eight? Mm-hmm. 78. Yeah. yeah what probably. was the high point back then? Speed? What was the speed record? I think I had like 52, but Hudson had the world record at 54. Is that right? 54? Yeah. yeah. I remember at, at Black Hill, I know the fastest I've ever been. Well, Black Hill was crazy. And I also know the fastest I've ever fallen because yeah. I hit that, that strip switch. Oh, yeah. Down around the corner. pitched me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean... At Black Hill, I did a street luge run at 74.9. Remember on the heavyweight? I thought my brain was going to explode. Yeah. You know, then you fast forward 40 years and I go 100. Yeah. That was going to be a good transition is when did you hit that triple digits? Yeah, it's 2016. I was 58 and a half years old. Is that right? So I was retired for... 16, 100 miles per hour. Yep. So I was uh, retired for 17 years. In 99, I just said I'm done. Uh so I uh, was uh, ninety nine. Grabbing... You were about twenty at that point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost. Give or take. Yeah, almost, almost twenty one. Yeah. So was the Gravity Games we race was that two thousand two thousand or nineteen ninety nine? I think it was two thousand. Okay, I so that was my last race after I, that broken knee. So anyway, I was done. So I got tired of uh, the new generations talking crap about all of us from the old days. And getting it completely wrong, you know, 
I think one day I just read some douchebag saying, oh, well, uh, you know, those guys from, uh, you know, back in the day, they didn't even go fast. And, you know, they only had like two or three guys and da 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 I'm like, yeah. Which is kind of why we're here to, to share. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, listeners, really that's why the Madrid broadcast is going today. Yeah. Trying yeah. to set the record straight. <laughs> so I, I decided that's it. I'm going to get in shape, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know what happened. So. I lost a bunch of weight. I got in shape. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna break out Lucille and my Genesis. The Genesis was the luge board that I retired that I built in 1989, and no one ever touched that board. It was always 10 miles an hour faster than everybody. And so my wife was like wondering what I was doing, <laughs> and she's coming around, and I go, ah, it's just, it was rotting outside. I really want to fix it up. So I had called whoever you call to race this world championship downhill thing they were going to have in Quebec, Canada on this hill where I guess somebody went 92 there. And um, so I call them, you know, what would it take to race this race? Oh, well, you know, you got to either be former world champion or you got to be points. I forget what the conversation was. And I said, okay, well, I got one of those covered. Can I race it? <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, we got to make sure you can ride. And I go, all right. And what's your name? I said, Roger Hickey. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let me get back to you. <laughs> like, okay, no clue. And yeah. so he gets back to me like a month later, mm -hmm. you know, so he was heavy at the investigation part. Sure. Of it. I think actually I had to call him back. I don't know. Anyway, he said, okay, you can race it. So I said, what about Perry Fisher too? Okay. You guys can race it. So now I step up my process. So I go to Neil and I go, look, I want to get my own five inch wheel. Neil Piper. Neil Piper from and industries. He goes, all right, I go, I'll pay for the mold. You know, so I paid for the mold. We designed it. Uh, Neil gave me some top secret only in the safe juice. We put Ann Industries on the wheel and Hickey Speed on the wheel. I have my own trucks that I made a long time ago that are billet aluminum, live axle trucks. I'm riding Genesis and Lucille, my two boards that I made. And I'm wearing my own helmet that I made. You know, and it's, so I decided I'm going to get some new leathers. Now, Esther, my wife's like, oh, geez, what's going on here? So... You just can't finish the Halloween costume. You're just getting prepped for a costume So I had party. to tell her. Yeah. Well, then we then it wasn't very long after I told her that we found out that she got breast cancer. So that kind of, I was like, okay, well, I can't do this. You know what I mean? Because her surgery was going to be like in October or something mm -hmm. like that. And the race was, was it in October? Probably the same mm -hmm. month. and uh, Or maybe September. And um, so I kind of just slowed it all down. And, you know, I mean, it, I mean that was a lot more real. Yeah, real world than what I'm trying to do for it, sure as an old yeah. man. So her and I just had a conversation one time, and she says, "I don't want you to do stand up, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, you're 58 and a half years old, yeah. you know." And this, it, it, so I said, "All right, well, I won't do stand up, but I'll do street luge." She goes, "All right, but just don't get hurt." And that's because she had seen me do street luge in a couple filmings where I they brought me out of retirement to race some world champ, and then I waxed him at. Glendora Mountain Road, and she's like, oh, my God, that's the most violent thing I've ever seen in my life because I'm going through the dirt. I'm humili trying to humiliate. I'm going through the dirt. I'm, I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so she knew I could handle street luge. So I finished the board. She said, look, go do that. Don't die. Come back. We get my surgery. We move forward, right? Okay. So I go up there. I get out of the van, and we rented a van. We, don't, we always did things the right way. Like we didn't, we didn't yep. stay in host, youth hostels and stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's just not my thing, man. I don't, I've never done a drug, so I don't smoke pot. I, I don't even, I'm not a hippie. You know what I mean? I mean, that's all cool. Maybe I wish I was that. Cause they'd have a lot less 
mental issues. I'm, that, hey, that I'm I with you, man. I'm I'm in the same boat. I get it. But yeah, I like to fifty-eight uh, and a half. You don't right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to start now, and yeah. yeah, at the same time, it gets harder and harder the older you get to sleep on somebody's floor, and you know, you're like, oh, oh, I'd stay in a hotel. Once you sat, once you go yeah. watch a race like a NASCAR race in the VIP suite, yeah, you don't sit in the seats no more. Yeah, you know, as a, right. as a former uh, uh, tour of a band, uh, you know, playing in playing in punk bands and playing punk shows, sleeping in the van, sleeping on floors. I don't want to do it in my forties. Yeah, you know, I don't know how I did it 20 years ago because it was cool. Sure, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. it's cool when you're 20. It's kind of we did that. It's we're kind of sad here. when you're 40. Yeah. It kind of becomes a little bit uh, yeah less cool. So, so we we did an Airbnb, whole sure. you know three bedroom two story condo. We got a Sprinter van, you know all this stuff. You know, built our boards. Like I said, I spent all this money. We go there. Um, this is you and Perry, Perry and I, and my brother. Okay. And so my brother was going to be half bouncer, half pit crew guy. And um, so practicing for this event, I go out and I did a, a new thing to the rear of the Genesis board for the rear truck. We go out to Pudding Stone. I take off. Perry's in my truck. I go a little ways and I stop and I get up and uh, he goes, what's up? I go, it only goes 72. And he goes, what? I go 72 feet. It won't turn. It just went straight. I put it in the truck. The next time I rode the board was in Quebec. So what? I, yeah, that's it. I never practiced one run. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. My ego, I, you know, there are times when you remember that you could do a, a front flip, perfect dive. Mm. And then you get older and you try to do it and you belly flop. Sure. Yeah. So we get there, we show up to the top of the hill with the van. We, first we're at the bottom of the hill and we're checking it out. And the Europeans super cool. Americans wouldn't say a word to me for mm -hmm. some stupid reason. Um, so we go to the top. We didn't even know. There was no riders meeting. The rider meeting was at the top, but nobody let us know at the bottom. But this hill was crazy. I mean, this 18% is, and then it goes into our 90-degree right-hand turn with a cement wall. And you're 58 at this point. Almost say? 60. Say the almost 59. Average yeah. age of the other riders at this at this stage. 30. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we go up there. A bunch of people. I'm like, whoa, this is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Get out of the van. I don't take probably 10 steps out of the van. And this tall Hispanic guy, big guy says, hey, Hickey, your old shit ain't going to fly here. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've been gone 17 years. And I'm now I'm the old man with no respect. Sure. Like, what the hell happened here? So I was like, okay. So then they just kept talking shit. And then so walking back to the van, I told Ed, I go, just keep them talking shit. I go, because the more they talk shit. The younger I get, <laughs> I go, cause the only difference in me and them is at 58 and a half years old. It doesn't matter. That's right. You know, nothing to lose. the more they talk shit, yeah. the more it matters, the younger I get. And yeah. so they just continued to talk shit. So we go to take our first practice run. I'm going to light the world on fire. I go full tuck, never been down the hill. I probably got to maybe close to 90. This side angled wind comes across. I'm going to die. The board's all over the place. I don't even know how to stop the thing. It's vaporizing my shoes. Don Brown gave me a case of uh, Etnies or S, e S shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First pair gone. Yeah, right to my foot. <laughs> and I go back up and I tell Barry and Ed. I said, "Okay, well, we're probably gonna have to ease into this a little bit because that was not a good plan." <laughs> and I was writing on Facebook the whole time saying, "I think I went through a case of toilet paper on just the first run." <laughs> Long story short, last run of the day, I go 100.3. Uh, last run of the last day, I went 100.3. And it was, I put my feet down. It's on YouTube, but I put my feet down in the middle of the timer because, you know, you can only dip 
two legs into the death pool so long yeah. before you can't get out. Yeah. And I was as deep into it as I've ever been in my entire life. And I just said, nope. And I put my feet down and I thought if that's not a hundred, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I barely saved it. Um, but no doubt in my mind, I was, it, I was probably going 104, 105. Cause I, when you drag your feet through 50 feet of a timing strip, sure. How much am I killing? Yeah. You know, right. on flat. Yeah. You know, we're not even on the hill at that point. Anyway, regardless, Perry comes down, he goes 92. I instantly am so excited that Perry gets his 90 mile an hour club sticker. So sure. they had 70, they had 70, 80, 90, 100 stickers that you're in the club. And uh, like Bonneville has their own club. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for Perry that he went 92. And I did some stuff to help him in this and that. Told him to ride the yellow line. Different tricks that I, I learned. So he gets to the top and I'm running around trying to get Perry's 90 sticker. And I take a picture of them and stuff. I literally forgot to ask how fast I went. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking back up and this guy, Doug Anderson, that set the uh, gravity car world record. He comes up and he shakes my hand. He He's one of the presidents or something of the World Gravity Racing Association. And uh, shakes my hand and hands me a sticker. And I go, what's that? Because you went 100. I go, no. I go, are you, are you bullshitting? <laughs> I got goosebumps now. I had to go sit on the tailgate of his truck because I had tears. Sure. Like, are we allowed to cuss on this thing? Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, fuck all those fucking <laughs> internet trolls that fucking talk shit. Take that. Tattoo that shit on your forehead and shut the fuck up. Okay. No, tell us how you really feel. Because yeah. I was... Don't hold back, man. Don't that's hold right. Back. I said, this bitch is stamped in history. So screw that. I don't need to do this again. And yeah. I, and that was it. I was done. I called my friends. They were like crying. One of my best friends is Ricky Johnson, seven-time motocross champion. I called him. We're both crying on the phone. Yeah. Because it was like, that was a big, big deal. Sure. You know, And it was basically just to say, don't disrespect the history. Yeah. Because we, we were the guys. You know what I mean? I get you're doing your thing. But that was just like, I had so many people call me that didn't even like me and say, oh, my God, thanks so much for the old guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was it was one of the coolest things ever. It's awesome. But definitely one of the scary. I'll uh, never sure. do it again. Never. Yeah. A couple of questions, and I think I know the answers already. Seven. That was the answer. <laughs> All right, we're done. That's it. We Good go. night, folks. <laughs> Um, who was your most, who was your biggest rival? Was it Hutt? I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't look at Hudson as a rival because we looked up to him so much. You right. know what I mean? It's hard to have a, uh, the other guy in the corner of the ring, you know, Golden Greek and Freddie Blassie, <clears throat> you know, nice, you nice. know, old school shit going on when it's the guy you want to be. Right. You know I mean? Usually you don't fight the guy that you you really look up to right so i wouldn't say hudson hudson definitely was a rival because they were up north we were down south but it i would say the first rival i guess you can't say rival because it'd have to be equal speed um but the first turmoil was with a guy named uh bob Perea, but that was only in street oh, luge um he invented the sport somehow eight years after i won championships and um <laughs> so i'd say the first Big time rival was Biker Sherlock. Okay. Or I called him Mike because he hated it. And um, he came out of, he's good. I mean, he was really good. He'd come up and start racing our amateur races and he was winning and stuff. He was very loud. Um, it was it was literally like a, a comic book thing where we were no drugs. He was all drugs. Mm -hmm. And like he had the pot leaves painted on his helmet. He owned chalice bongs and some other bong company, something glass company. 
His dad was like somebody high up in NBC, had a lot of money. It was crazy. Like it literally made team dregs against Madrid or Hickey Speed, whatever, um, the whole group. And it was literally like racing good and evil. Mm -hmm. It was the craziest thing. It really was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. You couldn't make this kind of movie up because people think it's too cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, It was like thrashing the uh, rap locals versus the daggers. It totally was. You yeah, know, yeah, except and they in cheated this case, the a lot. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They trying to they made so biker made T-shirts that said Hickey when in doubt take him out because that was how they figured out how to beat me. You know. Yeah. You know. And then uh, we were doing figure the whole time for fifteen years, and I got sick and tired of hearing people complain while I was spending all this money and time organizing races. So Perry said, well, I want to do one. So I helped him come up with uh, Extreme Downhill International EDI. He ran a few races, and then he sold it all to Biker. Well, now Biker has the organization. Yeah. So now Biker can do whatever he wants. And so then I was banned from the X Games and pretty much almost every race there was because I could beat him. So I came out with my own trucks. Those were banned. Um, I mean, everything was banned. It was, it was kind of nutty. And then, you know, it just got ugly and old and not fun anymore. Right. What, was there a sense after that uh, – 103, 104, whatever your your record was, was there an immediate sense of, okay, I'm I'm done. Like I I don't need to do this anymore. I think I was at that place in '99. Yeah, yeah. Until the internet pissed me off. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I thought, <laughs> you know. So note to the wise: don't piss off Roger. Hickey. Yeah, I, yeah, I have a lot of Mike V tendencies in me, and um, sure. in fact, we have a video somewhere of of uh, biker. And four of his friends starting a fight with me at the bottom of one of the hills. And so I'm fighting him and four people. <laughs> and so I get up and I'm walking away and I'm pulling hair out that they pulled out. And my head's bleeding and they're talking crap again. And my buddy Dwight and I, and I look at him and I go, should we do it again? He's like, yeah. So we turn around and we're going to go do it again. And they all took off. But I mean, it's, it just, I, I don't like cheating. Yeah. I like, I think every rule has an elastic waistband. You know what I mean? You can stretch them here and there, <laughs> but I don't, I don't believe in winning by cheating. So if yeah. we got enough snide negative comments on, say, our podcast or our Instagram about you, maybe you'd come back out of retirement and go race again if we got enough negative comments? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't okay. mind settling scores Listeners, and I'm still in shape. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's even better when it – well, so one of my goals, I told my wife this the other day, and she's like, why? Uh, I want to ride Glendora Mountain Road on my 65th birthday. And so she's like, why would you ever want to do that? I go, because I can. I know I can. And I'm going to videotape it in the video. So I, I should get AARP to sponsor me. <clears throat> and just go. make a commercial yeah. of it. You know what I mean? Maybe, I, maybe I hate put together a new league that's, uh, you know, 65 and up. Seizure maybe, World? You know, see, yeah. That's right. Yeah. The Seizure World Championships. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I hate when people say those were the good old days. Right. Because yeah, yeah. I, I'm hoping that, I believe there's a heaven. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that's my good old day. But I, I hope that people have good old days ahead of them. Yeah. And not just like, oh, when I played professional football 22 years ago. I th- yeah, I think you get stuck in the, uh, the, you know, the glory days, you know, mindset is one of the most unhealthy things you can do. And really, right. the, best, the best part of your life should be today. Yeah. The best you part know? of your life, the great old days or good old days are more knowledge. Yeah. Because the more knowledge, you know, you learn what not to do. Yeah. Well, that makes a better day. Because I know that doing a stand-up tuck on top of a van until it turns and I fall off the van and hit the asphalt, that probably wasn't a smart move, and I wouldn't do that now. Yeah. That so wasn't a good old day. you know what not to do. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what not to do. As far as your most satisfying race, was it going 100? No. Beating, beating Hudson, Hudson, by far. That was the moment. <laughs> um, uh, yes, that was, it was unbelievable. 
And then Hudson came out of retirement mm-hmm. and started racing as pudding, at Puddingstone. Yep. And he was good. Like, all of a sudden, he got good again. Mm-hmm. And so it was fun. You know what I mean? Because here we go again. Yeah. And uh, was that always a friendly competition? I think I always, I think I always yeah. liked Hudson a lot more than Hudson liked me because yeah. he he would he'd trash on me pretty hard. But <coughs> I mean he he is five foot four with the arms of a six foot man. Yeah, you know, so uh, it's a knuckle dragon. <laughs> yeah, we so, love you, John. Yeah, and um, but no, I mean it was it was fun, man. I mean that was back when you could just be a smart ass man and give other men shit, and everybody knew it. You know, it was like no big deal. There's no name you could call me that's going to piss me off. And so they were north. We were south. We just used to trash on each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But we'd all party together after the races. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rick Blackheart, always a famous party at, at Blackheart's house. Yeah. Tell us about France. France was awesome. So out of the blue, now we're kind of, it's, there was a lull uh, probably from, I'm just going to guess 86 to 92, right? Right. Where we just kind of were burned out. We started kind of getting out of shape. I was probably fat. You know what I mean? Um, I got married in 90, and um, we were still doing it. Like I said, I think I reset the – I think I beat John's world record in 90, something like that. Yeah. Um, so I was still doing it, but it wasn't – we were just – we are still holding races and stuff, but it wasn't – we were just burned out. And, it, and then out of the blue, out of the blue, because we didn't have cell phones or anything, out of the blue, and internet was not happening, I get this phone call from this guy, funny-talking French guy, and wants to know if we want to race this race that's put on by the IOC, International Olympic Committee, in France. And I'm thinking, there's no Olympics in 93? Like, what? And it's so It's an off year, yeah. Yeah, and so we're just like, what? So we kind of just ignored it. I just thought it was stupid. So then... Um, in fact, this is this this is a leading up to a great story of when I changed my life changed. So, at that point, I was still kind of a conceited asshole, and uh, I uh, so I'm somehow, not going to refute that. By the way, yeah, I'm not let yeah, the record show. Yeah, there's yeah. no refuting in this. No, room. I won't. I won't even Good. refute that. So yeah. then, um, I think my priorities were a lot different. So, uh, so somehow, I don't know what the all the, the logistics leading up to somehow. We're now going to go. And it's Bo, myself, Paul Dunn, and some guy we don't know. And so um, we're going to go. And so we, being Americans, I had 15 bags uh, made by Hyper filled with Vans tennis shoes and as many wheels as you could possibly fit and trucks and everything you can think of. And we're going to sell them and make money because that's just how Americans do things. It's a capitalist nation. It's insane. Way to be, guys. Yeah, yeah. And no one was... <laughs> paying us so they would just give us product to sell (laughs) sure so then they're going to do the youth hostels that's where Mm -hmm. everybody's going to stay so i tell them uh no i'm the world champion we don't stay in youth hostels so you need to get us a condo yeah so they get us a condo and uh which is so then when we get there we have so many bags of stuff it's crazy right it's almost embarrassing and we see this dude at the airport masachevich that guy so we see this guy walking, and he's got a uh, pillowcase. And remember, that's when Russia disbanded, you know, so it kind of broke up. And in its pillowcase, he has, it looks like a Black Knight oak board. You know what I mean? It's kind of what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And um, <clears throat> I've been knocked out a lot more times, both, so I refer to him for memory. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he has, with a marker, uh, 
is a USSR or something on it, meaning Russia, that he's the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I remember clearly, I, I remember this leading up to changing my life. I remember clearly looking at Bo and going, and Paul Dunn and I didn't really know each other, but after that we became brothers. You know what I mean? He he didn't really know me, but he, he knew the guy that liked the term, you know, talk shit. And so I remember looking at Bo going, if that's our competition, man, we, we don't even need to practice. <laughs> and I remember just being, being right. so stupid cocky, right? Yeah. And it's not like any of us were, in top, tip top, ready to go. Sure, no. And so, what was it? A three-hour car ride? Probably. Yeah, we didn't we, take a bus like everybody else. We had a car. Yeah, yeah we landed in Lyon, and it was about a three-hour. It was in Charles de Gaulle. We had to go from Charles de Gaulle to Lyon, ah. and then drive. Oh, I remember. Up. I don't forget that. I, I mean, it I was in that the part. Pyrenees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get there, and all of a sudden, the whole town's got Olympic flags and this and that, and and giant. Uh, where you eat the cafeteria thing. Cafeteria. It fit 4,000 people in a mm-hmm. giant. Um, we're like, oh, shit, man. This I think is this is legit. real, man. It's feeling a little I, bit uh, I think we should have practiced. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, uh-huh. this, this is the real deal. So we're starving. Been up all night flying. So they tell us, well, you can go eat there. So they're having breakfast. And uh, so Paul informs us that he speaks French. <laughs> so we go there to eat breakfast. And there's a bunch of people in there, but they all got like real uniforms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're real countries. Mm-hmm. So thank God Roger brought uh, four cases of Roger Hickey shirts with an American flag on it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that became our uniform Levi's and Roger Hickey shirts. That's very American. Oh, right yeah. There. I wish I still had one. Yankee man. blue jeans, uh, Levi's, and American flag. Yeah, we shirts. figured that's what it is, there right? There you go. Yeah. So we'll wear, we'll wear this on the opening ceremonies, right? And and it's full blown opening ceremonies. So, so then we go to this big. Oh, wait, go back to breakfast. So Go back to yeah. breakfast. So we get these pancakes, no butter. And uh, so Paul, our interpreter, says something like, uh, we need beer or something like that. I, I speak no French. French word for butter. Yeah, I know that Listeners, crepes. Whatever right. the French yeah. word is. I know crepes is. are very, very thin pancakes, but that's about as far as I go with the French. Mm-hmm. Somehow they come back with warm beer, mm-hmm. no butter. Yeah, and it took like an hour an for hour. them to sure. find a bar that was open yeah. that would give them beer for us. So nice. the first headlines that Excellent. we have created is Americans. American skateboarders arrive for the alternative <laughs> Olympics and start their breakfast with warm demand beer. Demand beer. Demand yes. warm demand beer. Demand beer. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh, Perfect. Perfect start. Oh, my God. And so I don't think that's when we met him. We met... Uh, the other guy? Yeah, we met him like at dinner or something like that. Right? Yeah. 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 So anyway... <clears throat> no, not that guy, the, the Russian guy. The, oh. Yeah, Anatoly. Uh, Anatoly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so now we got to go to some big meeting before we get where we're staying. And there was just a bunch of people. And they're giving t- interpreters to people. And they're going to – and then they gave us a flag holder person. And they had like a mountain bike, uh, slalom, downhill, hang – not hang glide, paragliding. Paragliding. They had like – this Still is before King. X Games. The X Games actually came from this. So anyway, and then we just started skating through town and everything else. And right, being I, Americans. Yeah, yeah. I don't really remember when it all kicked off. Oh, there was that opening ceremony. We had that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we had that little tiny uh, Spanish kid that carried the flag for us. And then when it was right. all done, remember I stole the flag. Right. I still have yep. it. I oh, thought, you do. Oh, yeah. I still have it. I thought I was going to get uh, thrown in jail at, when we were on the plane. So then it rained. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. For days. Yep. And then we tried to practice in the rain. Yep. 
And then we went to go eat, and we met Anatoly. Right. I'm sure hope I'm doing his name right, because I love that guy. Anyway, uh, I remember he was eating all the desserts and stuff, and we were looking down at him, and he was starving to death. Right. And we're like, holy crap, look at this guy. And uh, so we started giving him food. Because we probably only could go through the line a couple times, because I was trying to figure out why were we giving him food. Yeah, I don't remember. Something like that. And then remember, we started doing the na 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 na, hey, hey, goodbye. You and I started throwing grapes at everybody. Yep. Like, we were seeing making what we American history. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Seeing everything. Being the ugly American. Oh, yeah. Completely. And uh, still trying to sell our stuff. Yep. And so then all of a sudden, uh, Anatoly comes down, and I feel somebody standing over my left shoulder, and um, he pulls out his wallet. And he pulls out this piece of paper and he unfolds it. And it was a centerfold that was in Skateboarder uh, or Transworld? No, it would have been Skateboarder. Yeah. The uh, <coughs> centerfold that you could see the grid lines from the ink worn out. And this thing's 12 years old. And I remember asking him, he goes, could you sign? And I'm like, whoa, how long have you had this? Oh, since it come out. It was then that whatever God is came down and punched me in the forehead and said, quit being an asshole. <laughs> because this is the guy that I said, really? That guy? That's our competitor? Yeah. From that moment till now, I've never been that guy again. Never, ever, ever. In fact, we decided we were going to train him. Right. Because, so remember I had two Lucille's? I gave him my other one. So I gave him my only backup board. Was it your speed suit? Probably. And then mm -hmm. Paul's shoes? We literally outfitted this dude. I was taking him out in the rain and training him and stuff. Our goal was to get him through the first round of qualifying or whatever the hell right, it was. Right. And he did. And he was bawling. And he made me this hot. I still have it. He got these little logs and hot glued them to this. A hot plate with hot glue doesn't work. And he hot glued to this plate and he made this hot plate. He just wanted to give us something. He gave us some rubles and stuff. Right. Like, dude, you don't have to give us anything. We let him move into our condo. Is that right? Yeah, because we kicked the other member out because he was selling our race wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. So it's race day, the finals. Uh, I remember that I had a Walkman, which, you know, was awesome. And I remember I, I came out of our little tents. Remember we had those little tents that yep. we could hang out in? Yep. And I saved my, for qualifying and practice, I wore one thing, but I saved my aero helmet and my speed suit with my calf fairings and all, all the nitro. I saved it for the last mm -hmm. day, right? And so I came out of this tent. But it was weird because they gave you like a minute to cross that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you didn't cross it, you were disqualified, right? Really? So I had a, I always went full blast. Like I never did anything easy, right? And so let's back it up. So we're in the cafeteria and all of a sudden Bo sitting across, I'll never forget, sitting across from me. He looks up above my head and I'm like, what? And I turn around and there's this dude. How tall was that guy? 6'6"? Um, six, six? Probably, yeah. He was taller in than you were. In a Swiss, Swiss outfit, right? Swiss outfit. Swiss outfit. He looked like Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. Was a, he was a twin of Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. And he goes, are you Roger Hickey? I am not making this up. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I trained for three years. I will beat you. And he walks away. And I look at Bo and I'm like, Jesus, we are in. So he's literally Dolph Lundgren in, what is it, Rocky Three? Literally. Right, I am right. not making yeah. it up. I will win, you will lose. I will, that's what he said. I, I will crush win, you. and you will lose. I, will, I think he says crush you. And he walks, you, oh, yeah. no. Did I blow it? No, no, you're good. You're still good. We'll cut that out, ladies and gentlemen. The magic of modern technology. Dang it's it. No problem. Just, or, just, or, a, just a little battery power, but we're fine. Oh, okay. Cut that. We'll cut that. Don't worry about that. So anyway, back to racing. So now, uh, 
Oh my God! Now I need to remember this guy's name because I've said his name a thousand times since. Drago, I believe, right? Whatever. Drago, <laughs> I would have crushed. Swiss guy. So he's leading. Uh, Paul second. You're third. Yep. No, I'm leading. Yeah, I'm leading. <laughs> Swiss guy second. Swiss guy second. Paul's Paul's third. third he's I'm fourth. fourth. The other right. guys somewhere. Swiss so, guy, if you happen to hear this, please let us know. Uh, oh no! By the end of this are. conversation, I'll have his Swiss name. guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Swiss guy, Beijing Swiss guy, Beijing, Beijing Swiss, guy. Swiss guy, Swiss guy to the courtesy desk. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, so then the second runs start, right? Paul and Bo throw down blistering. Yep. runs. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good run. And um, I remember clearly. I had blisters. I remember clearly now. We're gonna backtrack. I was in first. The other guy on the team was in second. Swiss guy was third. Paul was fourth, and you were fifth. Oh, on the first run. Thanks Man, a the lot first, for that. Uh, now the first part, yeah, I was going to say, the first yeah, yeah. memory, you were like in third. <laughs> yeah. So by, by the time we remember this again, you're, you're not even qualified. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't you're even not there. Even, <laughs> yeah. 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 I didn't get on the trip, giant, It was yeah. a giant when he had hair cut out of Bo. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, so second run comes up. Well, Paul and Bo were taking it easy anyway. Second run comes up. Paul and Bo throw it down, right? I'm still in first. Paul's second. Bo's third. Swiss guy's fourth. And uh, uh, other, guy. other guy is fifth. So I come up. I'm the last guy. I come up to the line. It starts to rain. And I'm like. So not, they're trying to figure out. little droplets. No, it's pouring. It's done, right? So they're trying to figure out what well, to do. It's make you a little faster, right? Especially through those turns. So they're trying to figure out what to do, right? So they say, all right, so we can either go back to the first run and count that or we can count this run if you're okay with it. Cause I'm the only one that hasn't run. Well, why mm -hmm. wouldn't it be okay? I'm still in first. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, so I said, no, I'm cool with it. So other guy says, I'm not cool with it. Are you serious? Not the Swiss guy. Other the guy. other guy that was on the U S team. Yeah. Cause he was in second on the first mm -hmm. run when they took it easy. Yeah. So he says, I'm not cool with it. So we don't know. Remember he was selling wheel wheels to the right. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, somehow we don't know how, it went back to the first run, and that cost Bo and Paul, you know, their medals. And then it was over. But I do mm. remember one thing. I'm going down the hill, as tight a tuck as I can get. I get to the bottom, and at the bottom of the hill, it kind of went back uphill. Remember? And there was those yep. two cops up there. And they were like, he was clapping. Yeah. And I remember thinking, are they clapping because I went really fast? Or are they clapping because they're just clapping? Mm -hmm. And I remember that I was afraid to turn around to see what, what time I had. Yeah. Because when it's over, it's over. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I remember turning around and seeing that I was in first, and I was very pleased. But anyway, so long story short, I ended up winning, um, got the gold, and basically was the first Olympic medal for skateboarding. Yep. You know? Yep. I don't know if it applies to downhill, but I can certainly speak from personal experience. I had a growth spurt really quickly. I was of average height, and then one morning I woke up, and I just Same with me. skyrocketed, right? Yeah. And it was extremely detrimental to me as a skateboarder. Hmm skating street and just kind of standing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and it, suddenly it's like all these kids I came up with, they could do stuff I couldn't even touch anymore because when I hit the ground, it was like a tree falling oh, over. Yeah. So all the, all the guys I knew coming up with it kind of stayed low gravity, had a huge advantage of skateboarding. Was that a factor in, in downhill and in racing? Do you think, you think your height helped or, or, or hurt you? So I think it was both. Um, I learned early that, well, Hudson had his own tuck and everybody copied Hudson and it was kind of low like a ball with your arms back and just as low as low as you can you see get. a shorter guy. I mean, so, yeah. How right. Tall is five, seven. No, probably. Yeah. Maybe four, 11, five, six, five, seven. Yeah. Four, 11. Yeah. Uh, so 
here I am six four. I grew up, I, I got tall at nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, when I graduated high school, I was only like five nine. Yeah. And so from my knee down is half the height of Hudson. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I'm like, this low thing is not working for me. Sure. So I invented a new tuck, which they called the hickey tuck, and mm-hmm. it's basically a pole and a wing. And so yeah. I retrained myself how to put my front leg behind my my, sorry, my back leg behind my front leg mm-hmm. because I thought, okay. To slim up your Yeah, that's a 30-inch yeah. long 4x4 four four that's yeah. out in the wind. <laughs> and so I just made it disappear, yeah. and then I just made my body real flat. Yeah. And then once I mastered that to where I was comfortable, it was default, um, I never lost again. Yeah. I never lost a single race in like You 20, said it had to basically years. find a way to make it to your advantage. Just that's what I did. So build, what happened yeah. is the wind thought I weighed 130 pounds, yeah. and I weighed... 180 to 200 yeah you know yeah, yeah. so it was like i added another gear or some more horsepower yeah and but the wind thought we were the same size right so i definitely made it to my advantage sure now when you're going through corners and stuff it's a lot harder because centrifugal force the weight Absolutely. goes out yeah but i definitely was one of the except for dolph lundgren i was one of the <laughs> tallest guys ever yeah you know you don't see i mean that's the thing again you know the kids i came up with the guys i came up with skating with it's like you know they, they started to be able to hit these stair sets that were like far and away anything i was attempting anymore once i i, I shot up because it's yeah. again it's like you got a lot got a lot farther to fall and when you hit that ground you got a lot more impact and i you know the shorter guys i knew were pulling off some way crazier stuff because that's just that low center of gravity you know, well, look at bodybuilders to the ground look at bodybuilders they're all small because how hard is it to to build up a nine inch long muscle yeah, instead yeah. of a two foot long yeah. muscle yeah for sure yeah yeah i mean the photo doesn't know the difference yeah yeah know? yeah so post, post skateboards, right? Yeah. What, what, what was the point? Again, was it the 100, 304 contest comeback when, when you're, uh, you know, when you kind of knew you were done? Was that a point when you said, I don't really need to do this. I got nothing else to prove. I got nowhere else to go. What, I think that was 99. Yeah. I said it. You know, what happened was it, it just, the whole biker thing just broke my spirit. Yeah. It was just, you know, whatever mojo was left was gone. Yeah. And, um. The France thing kind of was because we were just organizing our own races mm-hmm. and then we kind of faded out. And then we came back in 90 after that and started having races again, figuring mm-hmm. out a bunch of races and stuff like that. And I started a company. And then in 99, when that was done, I st- uh, started a company called Fresh Park because I still wanted to be involved in. Fr- I-, I love inventing. And mm-hmm. so I invented a fold up ramp uh, and it took me. I always laugh when people tell me they got an idea and I said, okay, well, that's good. Cause it's not a, it's not worth anything until you actually sell one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's an invention once you start actually making a living off of it. Yeah. And so then, um, it took me about four years and maybe 500 grand to sell one. Um, still today, you know, the core skateboarders say they're plastic pieces of shit, even though it's more steel in it than a bridge. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's brutal. If it's not wood, you know, it's not, you know, yeah. skate light, then junk, whatever. Yeah. I, I looked at it like I'm giving kids a way to play. Sure. And I'm creating skateboarders. Yeah. But it is what it is. And, and now Fresh Park's 21 years old and sold over 600,000 pieces in 78 countries. That's awesome. Yeah. Listeners, we have a special guest. Uh, the dad, the dad just showed up. <laughs> Well, Jerry Madrid is, has uh, joined us today here. So uh, Just came in to say hi, see how things are going. He had yeah. to make sure I wasn't burning anything down. Or burning yeah. bridges. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, yeah, burning all sorts of stuff on this thing. That, that happened a long time ago. I got enough grinder stories for 
<laughs> a whole podcast. Yes, I think we, and that's when I first met the whole team at the Grinders. We should have named the team the Grinders. That's great. Well, now it's a burger place too. I think, and the Grinders is a. There, but there, a they had like two of them then, right? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I know I they had so. the one on Coast Highway by the golf course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know how what it's like to run from the grinder to his trailer when they're on fire, yeah. and blow out both my quads. <laughs> the grinder. So if that's where we met. That's so awesome, because that was our place. Yeah. 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 It was. That's- yeah, there seemed, there seemed to be some hazy memories on just how Roger came to be on Team Madrid. Yeah, Once really. I was on, though, it was it was my life. Yeah, literally. It, it, it was good times. Yeah, really good times. If I had a tattoo, it'd probably be Madrid. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, we thought maybe Jerry might remember exactly. How, I knew he would remember uh, how yeah. it came to be. Now, what was gr- what was the grinder? Was that just a bar? Local? It was water? like a Denny's, but cool. kind of a diner. Yeah, yeah. 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 on the coast, yeah. right on the coast highway. Cool. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So Jerry used to drive us to all of our races mm-hmm. in the big van. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry would race along with us and normally would be as fast, if not faster, than most of us. Yeah. And we had a paramedic with us while we were racing. Sure. Which came in handy quite a few times. Like yeah. Rodeo Gulch when I split my whole face open. Yeah. That yeah. Was a, that, was, that was a bad one. That, that was a really bad one. His glasses, yeah. the, the hinge broke off and went into his. Oh. And even the glass, because they're rain band real glass. Sure. It went into behind my eyeball, and so they had to dig into it like a Western trick, digging the bullets Oof. out, and they taped paper clips around my head, my face, with numbers on it, so when they x-rayed it, they could find out where it was. Oh, my God. It, it was like four hours of craziness. It was a, it was a mess. That sounds horrible. It was bad. Yeah. That sounds horrible. It was like 37 stitches. Mm. Luckily, I missed them. I did. Bo went down, he went down. And, and Don landed on the back of my head and ground my face in the ground. Right. Yeah. And Jerry went around us. Yeah. Right. Hey, that, that's a good segue to worst, worst bail. What's the, what's the worst you sustained over the years? Um, I don't know. I've had some bad ones. How many breaks? Uh, like 61, enough stitches to make a quilt. 60-something breaks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one was bad. But I don't think I broke anything. That's, I just end up with the wolves down off the hill. Yeah. Yeah, the coyotes. Um. Bo and I had a good one. We have a great picture of that one uh, where I lost my nipple and half of my body and he lost the other half. So you know what a uh, tandem is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bo and I decided to go tandem like 50. We got about 49 and Bo says, this is too fast for tandem and he let me go. <laughs> so now I'm riding sideways tandem and so is on Bo on my ass. And we're both in shorts and we used to make crop sleeveless shirts, you know, because strong look. Oh yeah, it's a strong look. And the and the shorts the shorts were like, uh, I mean they were literally short. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have a picture of us standing next to each other, and it's just insane. Every time I show people that picture, they go, "Oh my god!" We're gonna need to get a hold of that. Uh, oh yeah, photo. no, I, I think I have it on my for phone. the listeners. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get that. It's going. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we used to take the scabs off and put them in a beef jerky jerky jar and see who got the real beef jerky and who got the scabs. <laughs> I hope that's a fake story. It's not a fake. Don't eat I don't tell anymore. fake stories. Yeah. And listeners, that again was why I've uh, I'm vegan and have been vegetarian now for thirty years. Right there. That, <laughs> it's that, vegan scabs. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yes. It's human meat, not animal. All right. So there came a point when you knew you were done what? with skateboarding. You knew you were done with downhill, right? Done with racing, yeah. Done with racing. Yeah, I still love skateboarding. Still wanted to go fast, though, right? Was the speed, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thrill of the speed still there. Yeah, so the whole time I was racing motorcycles in the Mm -hmm. desert, um, got all the way up to a level of being sponsored by Honda and, um, and then Kawasaki. My brother, faster than God, so nobody could beat him. So it was, it was good for me because I had to chase him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But um, so you're in the motorcycles at the same time you were racing downhill. Yeah, all kind and of go karts. I raced mm-hmm. brief NASCAR uh, boats, drag boats, circle boats, pretty much everything I could possibly anybody would put me in. You raced Baja 1000. Yep, yep, a few times, and then um, two years ago I built a electric car with another company and broke the electric car world record uh, at Bonneville South Flats. So I'm in the 200 mile an hour club and the 100 mile an hour club, the 200 on land and the 100 in gravity. But I'm still, I'm going to go back to Bonneville next year. So I'm racing will never stop. You know, I, I just, I can't stop racing. Can't slow down, Mm -mm. but I don't know how to slide. So I couldn't race downhill. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't get my drifter card, so I wouldn't, I would just boiling ball through everybody. That's true. Uh, Jerry, Madrid still has, like, the preeminent downhill team. Yeah. Uh, has, I hate to put you on the spot, has Roger had any influence on any of those guys? Have you ridden with any of those guys, Roger? No. I don't even know if they know my name. Oh, they, they know who you are. <laughs> they, they know the, the tuck. We'll make sure that they, uh, they, they we remedy that. Tuck, and Roger kind of perfected it. So that, I think that, that goes a long way with all those guys. You did a, a podcast with Zach Maida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was quite interesting because Zach came to the, my office. And um, when a lot of people come into the sport, uh, Zach, I would say, has transitioned to the good side for me. Uh, but a lot, I, there's some other people that just have no regard for history or mm-hmm. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was cool because he came there <laughs> – Thinking that, you know, that was Jared Iwanek's helmet, that was so-and-so, that one, that drop-through was invented by so-and-so. And all of a sudden, he's like, wait a minute. Wait, all this stuff started back then? And I'm like, yeah, I made that helmet. Mm-hmm. I made those trucks, the drop-through. We made that a million years ago. You know I mean? It was all made either in my shop or Jerry's shop. And um, along with Tom Peterson and Larry Balma, you know what I mean? But it's just funny. You know, they think uh, Fred... Uh, the GMR truck guy, you know, is the innovator. I, I have a crazy story about that guy. Um, in fact, I was at Jerry's booth when he was telling me how everybody before 2000 didn't know how to ride. Um, but it's just crazy. It, it, you know, I don't know any other form of racing that this happens. Mm-hmm. Like everybody at Indy knows who the Unzers are. They know who Michael Andretti is. You know what I mean? They know who AJ Foyt is. But uh, skateboarding for some reason, it's just... It's strange. Mm. Like somebody asked me, you know, who was your, out of all the street skaters, you know, they don't even think I know street skaters because I do downhill. Again, I'm in the high school band, not in skateboarding. <laughs> and so they say, uh, like, who's your favorite street skater? I said, you know, my favorite street skater was always Chris Sen. I, Chris Sen doesn't even know I know who he is. Mm-hmm. But I just thought he was badass. Um, I, I liked his energy. I liked everything about him. You know what I mean? Day one, um, Eric Costin. You know, there was just, of course, Rodney. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that guy's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacy was always super cool to me. There, But there's people that don't even know who Rodney is. Mm-hmm. You know, of it's course. like, yeah. well, are you out of your mind? Yeah. You know, it's like saying you read the Bible, but you don't know who God is. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that in terms of, of yourself? Is that a, a comparison to yourself? There? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying the history of downhill. Do you think a part of it? So, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to fault younger generation that doesn't really do their homework and know their history but it comes down to you know some people aren't history buffs some people don't care about history i think some it's people are english indis- majors some people are math majors some people don't like history right and then i think there's 
it's very much kind of a, a niche world for for people that eat and sleep and live and breathe this stuff to you know not only actively search out where stuff came from and it's just they kind of live the life and so they kind of know it's like record collectors it's like you know all the everybody that's a nerd about what they're into kind of has a handle on the history of of the sport and where things came from you think it's generational do you think that it's uh uh is it easier to fault the younger generation so i got a question for you is skateboarding a lifestyle or a sport it's a lifestyle okay well, there's why. <laughs> because a lifestyle is part of a club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's no history to clubs, most of the part, unless mm. you're in the Hells Angels, mm-hmm. you know, in Sunny Barges. But uh, so I think there's a fine line there all mm-hmm. the time because there are people that are athletic and see it as a sport and mm-hmm. they want it to be called a sport. But the purest skateboarders um, see it as a lifestyle. Yep. And they get pissed off or they don't associate to that that terminology of mm-hmm. it being a sport, but then the athletes don't want to be in a club. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think what happens is this, this happened to me. I went, when ASR transitioned into agenda, mm-hmm. worst day in the entire world. Um, <laughs> These are trade shows we're talking about. Yeah. Trade mm-hmm. shows for mm-hmm. the industry. Um, I went up to a guy that I knew a long time, a lot of respect for him. And we were talking about downhill and stuff. And I said this and this and this and this. And he says, what are you talking about? There was only like four races. I'm like, holy crap, I'm like four races. I know I raced over 300 races, so I don't even know what you're talking about. And I mean, we have them all documented. And so um, there it is. There's yeah. the, the epitome of what's going on is because the comment is partially ego driven because mm-hmm. if I wasn't there, it didn't happen. And then the other one was, I don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That it, that doesn't affect my lifestyle of skateboarding. Right. I think with the because I was the racer and not the lifestyle guy, I suffered a long time of trying to find my costume so mm-hmm. they would accept me. I mean, I think I wore that. What do they call those hats? Those little like fedora, but not. Is that what they're called? I don't know what they're called. Sure. You I'll get away. You get away with it. <laughs> right. Like, I tried it maybe once, right? And it's like, I just look so stupid. You know, I tried old tennis shoes because maybe that'll <laughs> make me cool. You know, I remember trying the plaid shirt out with like an old T-shirt. You know, I tried every costume you could possibly try. Yeah. And I look back now, dyed my hair, every color you can dye your mm-hmm. hair. And I look back now and I think so sad. I wasted so many years trying right. to be yeah. someone. And I, I would never, I don't fit the skateboarding lifestyle. Right. You know, I will spend eight hours on a set of bearings to be people. That's not a lifestyle. Do you consider, do you consider skateboarding a sport? I consider it a sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an incredible sport mm-hmm. that takes incredible skill. Um, anytime you have it, like downhill, there's no judging. The winner's the yeah. winner. Mm-hmm. I don't like bumping and cheating and slamming people into. If you're gonna race, race. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have that back then. You know what I mean? So that's the part that kind of is the fine line of not sport because if you can just slam the guy when in doubt, take him out. That's not a sport. Yeah. You know that doesn't yeah. happen in any <clears throat> other sport. So. I would love, I would say, I would love for it to be a sport, mm-hmm. but I don't know if the characters could be a sport. I think, I, mean? to, I think to me personally speaking, it, it, what appealed to me about skateboarding was that it was the antithesis of an organized sport and there was such an autonomy to it and an independence to it that to me, it can't be a sport. It, it, you know, to me, it was like the antithesis of the jock mm-hmm. and, the, and the accepted popularized sporting lifestyle or, mm-hmm. you know, so, but is it possible you can keep a foot in both camps, right? I mean, it's a culture. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Um, obviously, every skateboarder, 
is either a photographer and, or an artist and a musician mm-hmm. and somewhat suicidal once a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I mean, there is, yeah. there is something about that. Um, but I think because we all like to compete too, because skateboarding's so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tricks are insane when you think mm-hmm. about it. Like for a guy to learn a kickflip, it's going to take him a solid month of trying every day to perfect it, you know, while he's riding. Yeah. Um, so there's, I think that it's so hard that it, it, it automatically turns into a competition. Um, but I think that what has happened in my over 50 years <clears throat> of skateboarding is that the skateboarders grew up and became exactly who they hated. Mm. And I only know this through Fresh Park because at Fresh Park, I'm thinking, wait, I'm supplying Mm -hmm. the obstacles you all wanted when we were kids for your kids and you're trashing me. You know what I mean? Seriously, is it that important? You're just going to trash me? I think if there's one thing we've all learned is that people will hate anything they can possibly hate. But think what skateboarding was. Skateboarding was all these people that don't want to be judged, Mm -hmm. including me. Um, and just accept it, right? Mm-hmm. And then they turned into the people that are the most judgmental, sure. non-acceptable people mm-hmm. on the planet. So it's like, isn't that every subculture or culture or genre, though, to an extent? As a, you know, I don't think synchronized swimming has that. They might. Yeah, they Maybe. might. I don't know any of those. I don't know any of those yeah. people, but it's possible. Nude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, outside of the skateboard world, outside of your endeavors with uh, uh, Fresh Park. Let's talk a little bit about the the biotech industry. Right. So, how did that come about? Fourteen years ago, I'm watching this thing on TV, and it says, uh, "I've I've been an inventor really my whole life." And so it says, uh, "How many patents do you have?" Uh, Thirty-seven. So, what was the first invention? What was number one? Uh, cordless speakers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know anything about electricity. I can't wire <laughs> one wire correctly. Well, I just why took, they're cordless. I just there took crap go. apart. Yeah, there you go. Wireless. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, um, so I. Uh, I was watching the show, I think it was CBS or ABC, and they were talking about um, the highest forms of germs and diseases uh, brought into the household is on a purse because okay. purses are expensive, exotic, they don't clean them. Now, for the record, I'm not a germaphobe. I'll eat a, I'm not like the five second rule. I'm mm-hmm. like the five day rule. Mm-hmm. So the, the bologna sandwich on the concrete that's been there mm-hmm. five days, I'll probably still, still eat good. it. Still good. Yeah, yeah. Flip the bugs good. off yeah, and yeah. move on. Yeah. You know, that's just me. Yeah. I grew up drinking out of the hose and thought mold made things slippery, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, I, uh, so I watched that and I just kept thinking about it and I was like, huh, I bet I could make something to fix that. And I know my wife had an entire laboratory in the closet. So I thought of this thing that's like a photo, a photo scanner, uh, like they used to have back then they were a lot bigger. And so I came up with the name germ scan. I researched that they had these, uh, mercury vapor bulbs that were UVC uh, UVC, and they would clean water with them and clean all the germs. So I put a UVC bulb in a photo scanner and I called it germ scan. And then I got the trademark for germ scan. And then I got the patent for the germ scan. Well then as you know, I could only afford to go as fast as I could go. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't come out big, then somebody's just going to steal it from you. Mm-hmm. So I, I just paced myself, did other things, fresh park, everything else. And so as it evolved, it evolved into LEDs. And so then I started uh, figuring out how to make my own LEDs. And then from then till now, uh, GermScan's now involved into a germ reduction program, uh, disease alert system like the Amber Alert. Um, we have 17 patents just for that, a couple utility patents, four trademarks, just got evaluated at a lot of money. Um, hmm. And But all of a sudden, two years ago, a gift showed up called COVID. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like, oh, geez, I wish I was in production. Mm-hmm. But then I had, you know, you you have to be able to pivot. It, it's right. never the end yeah. unless you make it the end. And so I just looked at it and I said, wait a minute. What do they sell more fire systems with fire sprinklers, fire alarms, fire extinguishers, fire signs, you know, evacuation maps? Do they sell those and install those during the fire or after the fire? Mm-hmm. So I was like, perfect. We'll wait till it's over. Mm-hmm. So in that time, I started building uh, hand sanitizers, uh, sanitizers for tablets in schools, um, all these things. And basically, you know, the secret to sales is marketing, and mm-hmm. the secret to marketing is is behavior change. If mm-hmm. you can cause behavior change in somebody, then they do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, so a lot of things in history that cause behavior change. So. This basically saved me about $3 billion of marketing to cause behavior change. Now everybody's behavior has changed. So it doesn't matter, COVID or no COVID. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that company now um, is, will be going public, stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But uh, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I probably probably have just under 2 million in it Mm -hmm. after 14 years. And uh, everything's done. Um, We got... uh, assembly that's going to go on in uh henderson nevada mm-hmm. um we're dealing we're working with some tribes to help them um and then it'll be in casinos and schools and so i just decided to not go the retail market because it'd be another trinket so we're the b2b people mm. we're building stuff for elevators and all that stuff um it's crazy because i i didn't grow up this guy like right. i said i can't wire anything right but my grandfather always said know what you don't know and you'll be successful yeah and i just got badass people you know, that are, that are in my group and, um, and hopefully before I die, I make them rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's my goal is to make the whole tribe, uh, comfortable, you know, yeah. with, with, uh, financially. Um, and then I, out of the blue one day I invented this trailer dolly cause I have a million, I have a race trailer, a boat trailer, uh, all these trailers. And I got tired of buying these trailer dollies. So I invented a trailer dolly and my wife said, Oh, it's like a tugboat. So I named it trailer tug and, <laughs> I got the patent and it went to number one on Amazon in like two months. And now it's number one in Forbes. And it's like the little engine that could, it just, I don't know. We probably sell eight a day, you know, seven days a week. And I wish they all went that way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It it came back to even in six weeks. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. That is crazy. So who knows what I like to invent? You know, I just like to solve problems and make money out of it. We invented a lot of stuff for skateboarding. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how many wheels are today that came because of everything we did well and shapes yeah. and molds and concaves and, and trucks and, and, and yeah. yeah everything bearings yeah. we touched on that a bit yeah speaking with jerry on the first episode we were finding ceramic bearings before they even anybody knew there were ceramic bearings mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and we were lucky enough to have jerry yeah at not our disposal but you know jumping in there and helping shape the, the way boards were because he did race, you know, he's a very mm-hmm. fast guy. So and bail you out of jail. Yeah. yeah. Jerry for that too. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Everybody you meet that's one of my old friends, they're going to say, oh, I used to bail him out of jail. And like, and Esther, my wife says, does everybody have that story? I go, I was in jail quite a few times. <laughs> Some of us didn't That'll be episode that. three is uh, Roger's jail adventures. They, they were all for skateboarding or fighting. Yeah. Like, no, no felonies. We had a party once and uh, these people came in, outsiders. And uh, they decided that they're going to kind of ruin some stuff at the house. Mm-hmm. So Bo and I just stepped up and started wailing on people. And we're like back to back just taking up. And then all of a sudden, Jerry comes out of the blue. 
like <laughs> Superman, like a Batman. He comes in, he grabs two people from the back of their shoulder, slams them against the garage, and is like, nobody's going to do that. My boy. Nobody's doing this to my boys. And it was on, man. It was like out of the movies. It was like the biggest gang fight rumble. you've ever seen. True rumble. It was a rumble. It was yeah. nuts. And I wasn't the only one. We did. And then where did we go? Grinder. Let's go get something to eat. <laughs> Work up an appetite, go to the grinder. It was so real. Like, I know everybody throws around that word authentic. It's so authentic. It's so organic. <laughs> oh, my God. But we were authentically organic. I mean, it was yeah. just it was just awesome. Like, we were making up shit as we were going along, and then it became shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know how many times we had world championships on a parking curb. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the Japanese world championship for rock and rolls or axle stalls. They don't even call them that anymore. Mm-hmm. But hours. But we, how many times were we up till 5 in the morning just skateboarding? Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. Like we we did street skating as much as we did downhill. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we weren't DP. Uh, we weren't, you know, Alva. We weren't Hasoi. We weren't those guys. Yeah. But we skated a lot. Mm-hmm. I still, you saw my rack at my shop. How many skateboards do I have? I still have probably 30 boards. You still skating today? I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not racing, but skating. Mm-mm. Still like I, to go fast. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I'd love to go 400. I mean, so 2022, what, what's in your garage right now? Is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big garage. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely the fantasy factory. Everybody that comes uh-huh. in is like, oh my God. Yeah. Off-road race car, um, hot rods, uh, streamliner, yeah, for Bonneville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a pontoon boat that goes seven, 62 miles an hour. <laughs> You know, because the wife gets to have a comfortable boat in the shade that she can text on, and I get to beat everybody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot. Everything has to go fast. Motorcycles. Even, these even days. my trucks fast. Yeah. Motor- Two wheels. What do you yeah. got out there right desert now? Desert bike, Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my favorite thing is mm-hmm. riding in the desert, but you can't anymore because all the people that were jet skiers became UTV drivers, and mm-hmm. so they come over the hill and kill you. Mm. So there's so many UTVs in the desert. It's just so scary to. Yeah. I mean, we're going 90 to 100 across a desert. And to me, it's like flying. It's just so awesome. And, um, but man, it's scary. Every hill you go over, there's going to be one of these razors coming the other way. And just, that's it. Top speed on two wheels. Do you have a record? Do you have uh, a, I don't have any records. Knowledge? Uh, I know that I've been 112 in the desert. Um, I was on Jacques Cousteau. We were racing the Baja 500, and Jacques Cousteau was doing a special at the Sia Cortez. I was riding with a guy named Randy Norman. And we're going across Sia Cortez. Cortez and then it came on TV like two months later that they're following this guy at 112 and it was me laying down on the tank going across the desert but um I went uh 117 on a water ski when I was like 18 um and that was slow yeah I mean I I probably got like 17th place you know they were going like 130 then yeah so I I wouldn't call me good but I did it I don't know I just like I like world records I like going fast I like also helping people go fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably my new, that's why the hickey speed tagline is making fast things go faster. Cause if I can't make it go faster, I have a friend that can. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. is hickey speed exactly? It's like a club. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I still sell my wheels and I definitely give way more t-shirts away than selling them, but mm-hmm. there are people that want to buy them. And, um, it's just fun. You know what I mean? Uh, people call me and they want, I'll go to Bonneville and people ask me, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And, and then they get a world record, and it's just, it's the greatest thing in the world. So what's the this and that? What do you, you know, talking about performance issues? Aerodynamic, you know? yeah. performance. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest memory of my dad's race car was a 53 Studebaker, and it was in our garage, and I was, I don't know how old I was, seven, eight years old. And all the 
the little guys came. Uh, no, it's probably ten. All the little guys, you know, your little man at that age. So they all came over. And they, my mom and dad went to the river, and they left us with a babysitter because my brother was seven years younger. My sister's four years younger. And it's a blown fuel, blown alcohol. 53 Studebaker that's got a Hemi in the front seat, and he sits in the back seat, right? And he's getting it ready for Bonneville, and so they all go to the river. So anyway, all the little guys come around, and they're like, hey, can you start it? You're a little man, man. You can't say no. I mean, it's impossible to say no. I said, yeah, I could start it. And so I, I put my friend on the hood, and I said, see this opening right here? Hold on right here, and take this bottle, and squirt this bottle in this thing right here when these things open, the injectors, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And it had a built-in starter. It wasn't like the kind they do now. And so I get in. I put my dad's nitro mask on, put his helmet on. I pre-hit the pre-pump for the oil and all that stuff. And I go, okay, when it opens, squirt it in there. Gee, 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 gee. Squirt it in there. He squirts it in there. <laughs> Sing fires up. You know, it's like 4,000 horsepower. Fires up. Things bouncing on the jacks. Mm -hmm. And I see him bouncing up and down on the hood. And so the, all my little friends are like spanking the game. They're all like, yeah. And it's, you can smell the fuel and everything. Yeah. This story is in uh, Vanity Fair mm -hmm. in 2001. And so uh, I whapped the motor, you know, because I got to. Yeah. Well, it wasn't warmed up. And so it backfired and blew like a dragon flame at the <laughs> injector. And it burnt all his hair off his head and burnt his, oh. burnt his whole face, every hair there was. And yeah. he's just and it shut off and the only way you can get the fire to stop is start it back up because uh -huh. it sucks it back in. So I started up for a second, shut it off, and I remember he was just on the hood smoldering, <laughs> and scared to death. And so all the kids were running around because they don't know what happened. And the babysitter is pounding on the garage door because we locked it. And I'm like, oh shit! So I bail out of the car. I I pull him off the hood. I tell everybody they got to go. I close. I un. I take two spark plug wires and I unlock the garage door and I start going like this. And I, when she comes out, I go, look, they spark. And that's the only thing I could come up with. So she's thinking that I'm just igniting some live wires from the 110 socket. And so she told my dad that that's what I did. Well, it wasn't until the Vanity Fair article that my dad realized that, because he said, I got to Bonneville with a car and I was thinking, I never started this car. How is mm. it that this thing's run? And that's, that's what happened. He didn't know that <laughs> until so many years later. That's great. Jerry literally has has been everything to everybody. I mean, I, I don't. I don't. This okay. Go back to the skateboarding industry. You know, the sport or culture. Well, Jerry's been both. Mm -hmm. So, as much as I think I egotistically I deserve respect or some credit for this and that, Jerry is fourteen thousand times that, and somehow he's never pissed off ever. Mm -hmm. Not that I've seen. No, I've never seen him mad. <laughs> I've seen him throw people, and he still wasn't mad. <laughs> Yeah. Still had a smile on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One story, we're going to uh, Capitola, and we're in Jerry's van. There's 200 of us in his van. And uh, so Jerry asked me if I wanted to drive, and I'm like, okay, I'll drive, because they were all tired. We probably left early. That's probably why. Is that, is that the time we just got on top of the car? We had the losers on? No, that was the time before that I got on top of the van. <laughs> yeah. So this one, we're driving. I got these mirrored shades on. I got long hair. And Jerry and I forget who else is in the back maybe Dave Perry and whoever else. So they're all sleeping. So I take a skateboard. I think it was like a Primo freestyle board. And I wedge it between the seat and the throttle, full blast, just flat out. And I got both my feet up on the dash. And I'm just driving. And we're going like 100. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, I look in the mirror, and here's a red light. I'm like, oh, shit. Getting pulled over. I got 100 warrants. I'm driving 100. I can't unwedge this skateboard, so the cop thinks I'm running from You can't from slow him. down. Yeah, you're just going. Oh, my God. So somehow we get the skateboard out. I go to get out. Jerry goes, just just stay in here. 
the guy comes up to the window and Jerry says, I'm like, can I talk to you? So Jerry goes back. He flashes, you know, the fireman badge and tells tells the whole story. Oh, I get out and I'm going to walk back. And Jerry's like, get back in the van. And uh, so somehow Jerry talked him out of it. And I didn't even get a ticket. And we went down our way. That's what a team leader does. That's what a team I, manager does. I can't even tell you how many times this guy saved me. Holy cow. <laughs> Recently, this is another story. Jerry came out with kind of my version. And it was the a few years ago. And it had... The picture of me at your version of a board at Laguna Seca, yeah, like my style, but way bigger. Because mm-hmm. everybody started riding giant boards, and then I came here one day and I talked to Andrew McCardo. Is that mm-hmm. McCardo? Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, "Why are you guys riding these giant logs?" And he's like, "Oh, they're fast." I'm like, "They're not fast." Well, what do you think's fast? I go small. I go little. I go that you're not tr- torturing the bearings and you can get through a corner. Well, then make me one. And so I made him one, and he went out and he got second, <laughs> and then. All of a sudden, boards start getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. But anyway, when this 40-incher came out, Jerry says, you know, we want to use the Laguna Seca graphic, but everybody on the team doesn't want Roger Hickey on the board. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. And I go, <laughs> I said, all right. You remember this? Yeah. So I said, all right, I'll do the artwork for you. He goes, oh, mm-hmm. okay, perfect. So I did the artwork. I gave it to him. You, you guys made a lot of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of boards, and everybody had their own names on them, right? So it was about a year later, and I go, you guys ever look at the goggles? And the, in the reflection of the goggles, it says RH. <laughs> <laughs> There's some out there right now, too. Every board had a little R- subtle product placement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, nice. you're getting my name. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, you're getting my name. Nicely done. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I told Bo that story when we were in my office the other day, and he looked up, and he goes, you can't unsee it when mm-hmm. you see it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like doing stuff like that. I designed the gateway cow boxes for their computers one time and you'd stack three high and three wide and had a big giant lowercase rh on it until i started bragging and then they made me change it it's like oh man i said to just shut up yeah never reveal the secrets i know what's uh what's next for roger hickey well i'd like to get germ skin completely mm-hmm. taking care of everybody and going um but i probably would like to sell fresh bark at some point um kind of burned out mm-hmm. you know i mean it's doing better than it's ever had you know when i expanded it to uh a lot of two-wheel stuff um like we make bmx portable pump tracks and tracks we make moto ramps now we did a deal with stasic those are little electric bikes that mm-hmm. are blowing up everywhere everywhere so you see our stuff on their commercials and we have a deal with them with, uh and then rc cars we're everywhere with them now so i kind of diversified the whole line to not just get trashed by skateboarders every day um or hear OC ramps opinion. And so, um, I, I think it's at a place where it would be good for somebody. Um, and then, uh, trailer tug, I, I don't know what I'd do with that. Cause it's just so funny. You mm-hmm. know I mean? It's just such a cool little thing. Yeah. But yeah, I would like to get germ scan, uh, done and bigger. And then I, I want to retire from worrying, but I never want to retire from working. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be in a position where I just, I get to build stuff and do stuff without worrying man you know, that's I, like the uh, new american dream yeah i don't know, I don't know, how, to, I don't know how to help you with that <laughs> i need to build a financial moat you know like johnny depp yeah. has a financial moat sure like when people go he lost six million dollars in that trial i go that's mm-hmm. a financial moat mm-hmm. that's when you have so much money you don't care i mean kardashians what what's their talent making money that's it. That's it. That is their quite talent. literally. That's but that's it. a lot of. That's the youth of today. Yeah. Nobody's working like Jerry and Mo no. and I. Yeah. You know, trying to see if well, did we actually make forty dollars an hour? No, because we own the company. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so we made like seven. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. while while they show a yeah. boob and make two hundred and fifty grand. 
Yeah. I'll show my boobs for two. Me too. Grand. Let's put that on the record. Bo Brown is willing yeah. to uh, go all topless, three. and he'll this. show all three nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Once we get the video podcast transitioning, uh, yeah, we'll have Bo probably probably topless for most of the episodes. Nice. I think yeah, yeah we generate a little income in a clown well, mask. Words. In a clown yeah. mask coming out of a van with smoke that says candy. Roger, do you have any uh, do you have any shout outs you'd like to uh, mention on this podcast? I think that uh, put Jerry Madrid in the damn skateboarding hall of fame. Mm. I mean, come on, I'll second that. It's sure. not a skateboarding hall of fame. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a culture club, mm. you know, hall of fame. Um, so I'll say that one. Uh, I, I I would say I wish people would understand what Fresh Park is and what it was built for, and they'd quit trying to trash us online. <laughs> You know, uh, it was just to make people have something to play. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be the X Games. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. I. What about I, your wife? You're gonna shout out. To nah. Your wife? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't about her. No, I'm kidding. No, Esther's awesome. Um, and then uh, just Jerry. I mean, you know, there's there's only Jerry, Larry, and Tom. You know, with Neil. It's the Three Stooges, isn't it? Yeah, Larry, so. Jerry, and yeah. Tom. Yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah. And Neil came in after Tom left, so that is like the Three Stooges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly want to thank you for taking your time to speak yeah. to us a little bit today, and uh, hope it wasn't too. And downhillers too are skateboarders. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that again if you'd yeah, like. Yeah. Re- reiterate that. Just because we don't kick flip at sixty-three <laughs> miles an hour doesn't make us not a down, uh, not a skateboarder. Yeah, I love skateboarding. I, I. Uh, I wish it could figure out what it is. Yeah. I think that hey, maybe lot, that's the beauty of it. I mean, yeah. We don't know what it Except is. Except for there's a lot of people doing a lot of good things that yeah. aren't making the money or the recognition they should. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. I, it's such a weird, I can't, even, I don't even know a parallel of mm-hmm. skateboarding. It's such a underground and above ground thing that I, I don't know where it is. Thank <laughs> you for having me though. Hey, thanks uh, for being here, man. I, I, have a hard time talking as you can tell so i always like when somebody influences me to talk yeah yeah that um i have no story yeah, as far as shout outs again jerry madrid he's been much more than a uh brand owner he's been a, a big brother a i wonder if dad. there's any jerry's left hmm. uh I mean, there's one sitting right next to me no i mean like two people mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think that it's everything's so polarized and separated and political and all that crap there probably is i'm sure there out is there yeah. yeah uh shout out to eagle doing yeah. a great job in Dude, I went, podcast. that's a, such a cool name was that your real name it is that's an episode in and of itself so once again thanks for checking Boy, in if, on they're, ep- if they're listening to where to find the podcast don't they already know well, there's other ways. There's, oh, there's not right. just one, Roger. Okay. Now, this is okay. modern times, man. We are out there. Where do we find this fire that we're in? Yeah. Okay. So thanks again for checking in on episode two. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. And you can find us on Spotify. And FreshPark.com if you give me a link. Fresh. That We we, we offered you shout outs, you know, and you, oh, you yeah. skipped Fresh. But it's too oh, yeah. late now. So forgot about we'll, that. we'll edit that out. Yeah. Okay, but, uh, good. FreshPark. We'll fix yeah. that. We'll get it Ed's. in there. Calm. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for everyone that's listening. We'll be back with episode three in the near future. And, uh, again, thanks again to Roger for being here. Thanks for Bo. And, obviously, thanks to Jerry for, for letting us do this.